fear the talking queers. Now that we're all here, the party can begin. Happy New Year, bitch! Happy New Year! Happy New Queer! <laughs> Happy New Fear. The Talking Queer. Ooh! Right? Happy New Fear, The Talking Queer. Is that something? Or no? <laughs> um, Happy New Fear, The Talking Queer. Give it up, delicious. It's kind of a mouthful. Yeah. Should old acquaintance be forgotten? <laughs> Never come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> Let all acquaintance be forgotten days of old anxiety. <laughs> Your face is so serious after two. You're just yeah, smiling. Serious. It looks like this when is Helen, not a joke. It looks like when <laughs> Helen was done singing on Friday. <laughs> oh my god! All proud. <laughs> oh my keep god! Smiling, that was... Keep shining. No, and you can always count on me. For sure. That's what friends are for. Oh my god. Hi everybody, welcome to the show. Welcome to the season finale of season three of Fear the Talking Queers. Yes, this is our New Year's Eve Fear the Talking Queers season three, Scream Four, season finale. Whoa. (laughs) See, this episode does deserve a mouthful. Yeah. Wow, I cannot believe that we've made it through a third season of this. Like, who do we think we are? The Real Housewives? Yeah, I know. There's nothing scarier than the movies we watch except putting this podcast together. What a journey this season has been. Um, Plenty of highs, a few lows, I guess. Like, oh, I think (laughs) a few lows. (laughs) You know what? Actually, Let's take a look back at season three, right? Oh, okay. Let's do that. Okay. Our our highest played episode of our entire show is from this season. And I think I am blown away by which one it is. Me too. I am just shocked. <clears throat> but I guess, I guess it has nothing to do with necessarily the, like, the quality of the film. Because most people consider this movie to be the weakest in the franchise. I know. So if you haven't caught on yet, we are talking about Scream 3. Scream 3 out of all the movies we've done is our highest played episode. More than Scream 2. More than Scream. More than the Scream franchise episode. Probably more than this one. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe you'll surprise us. Who knows? We're surprised about Scream 3. I know. A lot of people have some love for Scream 4, so we'll see if this can surpass it. (laughs) Yes. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. We grew a lot this season because actually a lot of our movies that we did this uh, season made it into like our top 10 of all time. So um, that's really exciting. It gives us hope for the future of Fear the Talking Queers. Yeah, and I think that we've established a nice, like, just group of listeners who like to come back and support, and that means a lot to us. I mean, if we didn't have any listeners, what the hell would we be doing? So, I mean, yeah. it, it all comes back to you guys and, uh, you know, keeping us doing this because uh, we love to 
to bring it to you. We love to give you all the laughs and the feels and everything that we can give. So I hope you're enjoying it. You know what, listeners? We're going to add a question on this one. If you're listening on Spotify, you should be able to answer the question below. It'll say, what was your favorite episode? We can do that. That'd be cute. Yeah, please answer that. We'd love to know um, what was your favorite episode. You can even throw in like what your favorite line or something we've said. We've had people message us like specific things that we've said in episodes. And I'm like quoting us. God, I said that. (laughs) I don't even know where where it's from. But I I love when people do that because it makes me feel like a star. I know, exactly. Where I can be like, "Mm, thank you so much. But really have no idea what they're talking about. That's what stars do. Yeah, of course. Okay, I have a question. What was your favorite episode this season? Ooh, okay, this one's tough. We had some really funny ones, I will say. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> a few stand out in my mind that I, okay. I have listened back to, and I was like, wow, these are really fun. So the first one I can think of is Cursed. I thought oh Cursed my God, was I wrote that down as my favorite. Did you? Yes. I thought that episode was so funny. It's hilarious. I don't know why I thought it was so funny, but we have some really good zingers in that one. <laughs> um, and then I would say The Grudge is really funny. Okay, yes. I know, it's like surprising. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot we even did that. But if you listen to it, I was actually like really pleased throughout it. I thought it was so funny and we were we were just really on it. Mm-hmm. And then I would say... Oh, and then I would say that... Um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show was really fun just yes. because I feel like we were the most informed. I feel like we like got all the the facts and all the things and we had singing and it was just it was just a good time. I there really was liked some, the Rocky Horror. There were some nice some nice ideas I think from both of us in that episode. Yeah. Agreed, agreed, agreed. What are your favorites? Um well I wrote Cursed as well. I thought that one was really funny when I listened back to it. <laughs> <clears throat> and another one I wrote as my favorite was Candyman because I think that that was because it was a brand new movie and it was the first movie we've done on this show that like we did it while it was still in theaters and so the fact that we were able to pull that off and get a synopsis together and have notes ready and everything before it was even on demand I was like really proud of us and I thought that listening back to it it also was very um, it was a proud episode I was like this is a nice episode I think I thought we did a really good job on it yeah, I think we approached it as respectfully as we could. And yes. um, I, I, yeah, I agree. I think that was a really good one. And I am proud of us for being able to pull that off. And, you know, we attempted it again. I think uh, Last Night in Soho was, you know, another attempt at that, which turned yes. out to be a little harder. That somehow, one was more challenging, but, still- but it was good. I mean, I love that movie. <clears throat> I know. Yeah, me too. I think those so, two stand out for me too, because they were very sophisticated films. And so yeah. the fact that we were able to like do those and like listening back to it, I'm like, oh, we sound so sophisticated li- talking about these two movies. We did do a few sophisticated films between those ones, but then also like Annihilation was really sophisticated. Yes, Hereditary. Like, you know, Hereditary, The Exorcist. Like these are movies that require, you know, Brains. more than just, ju- you're not just like watching splatter movie, whatever. Like this, is, these are movies that had like a lot of allegory and things to say or a lot of reference or these a lot require of historical neurons. something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Neurons and photons and protons and... I don't know. All the um, things. I also have a least favorite. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Tell and me. this is this is just because 
Okay, my least favorite to record was host. Even though that is a great episode too. <laughs> but it was yes, my least favorite because I thought it had me thinking that I was under the attack of a spirit while I was recording it. <laughs> That's yeah, our, we were hunted. That's our hunted episode. So <laughs> <laughs> that one, it was my least favorite. But also, um, you had chosen some movies I had never seen. So I want to give a shout out to some of the right. movies that I had never seen before that I watched oh, yeah. specifically for this podcast. One of them being The Exorcist. Can't even believe I've never right, seen yeah. that movie. Yeah, seriously. Unbelievable. The Crow. Ugh, I love The I Crow. Mean, it's like one of my faves now. And then Edge of Tomorrow, which also was kind of a different sort of avenue that we went down for this yeah. season. Sci-fi action. Look at us. We're such dudes. I know. I know. I felt like so like masculine <laughs> recording. <Yeah. that. laughs> I felt like masculine. Yeah, no, I felt like we were giving total top energy in that. <laughs> um, and you also had me watch a movie that I never thought I'd watch again, which was Hereditary. So... Oh, yes, yes, yes. Nice things. Um, Are there any movies that I hadn't seen? I think I had seen pretty much every single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Except the new releases, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of new releases, we had Halloween Kills was another one that we literally recorded days after it came out. Yeah. And we recorded that with the Carpenter Queen. So give a hand, everybody, for the Carpenter Queens Woo! for being on our show this yes. season. Yes, yes, hand jobs for them. Yes, hand jobs. <laughs> what'd you say? <laughs> oh, no. What'd you say? What'd you say? Oh, oh, give a hand. Oh, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Andy. Yeah. Thank you guys for being on our show. And thank, thank you for having us on yours. We recorded Halloween 2018 with them on their newest season of their podcast. So go ahead and follow the Carpenter Queens. And shout out to our original homies, our first collaborators ever, who we we can't go a season without including them because we just love them so much, which is the Homies of Horror, which we recorded um, Freddy vs. Jason with, which is also in our top five episodes of all time. Oh, yes. That was one of the ones from this season that easily crept into our top ten, and now it's into our top five. It is. It was so well received. I think it's because the homies are just incomparable. They're talented. They're amazing, and they do so much marketing for their um, podcast. <laughs> so they really give us a boost every time they're on our show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're just using them. Yeah. No, we really do love them. We we love Erica. We love Roshane. You guys yes. are amazing. Please go follow Homies of Horror, um, and you'll probably see us on there if you do. And for your info, as of right now, Freddy vs. Jason is our number three most played episode of the ever. of our show. Yeah, uh, ever, ever, ever. I have a question for you, since it's New Year's Eve and all. Okay. Um, What are your New Year's resolutions? Uh, oh, my New Year's resolutions is to um, make more money. Of I'd course. Love to do that. You're going to start selling drugs? <laughs> oh my God, not again. <laughs> they, I tried and they didn't want me to. <laughs> I know. I tried to sell ass and they don't want me to do that either. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, definitely I want to make more money. I want to be, uh, you know, work on that savings account. And I just want to um, pursue more of my passions. I feel like even, even though we're on a roller coaster of what we can and cannot do with all this coronavirus still happening and Delta and Omarion and all these, you right, know, all these artists, these 
these artists. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what it, it's hard to fully pursue my passions, you know, yeah. performing and whatnot, you know, because live performance is such still on a slippery slope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I don't know. I want more opportunities to perform. Um, that is what I would like to do in 2022. What about you? Damn, bitch. Ours are pretty close. Um, I also want to start my savings account. I have one, but there's no money in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have it. I think I have like $15 in it. <laughs> I definitely need to start saving because I'm an adult now. Like, I need that. Um, yeah. I'm totally unprepared for a disaster. Um, <laughs> and I also <laughs> want to pursue some individual projects myself. I do want to get back to doing my own podcast. Remember, I did that for a while. And then, but you know, Fear the Talking Queers is, you know, it's a heavy machine that we operate here. So, you know, so I want to get back to that. Interesting. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're, I'm extremely disappointed in that. Um, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were frozen, but no, you were just giving me the side eye. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm, keep talking. I also <laughs> want to write. Oh my God, yes. Right? I have all these You're ideas so in my brain, and I want to get them on paper. And, and they're not horror related at all, so you won't hear about them, but um, what? <laughs> on here at least. <laughs> but I do want to write. I, that's always been something that's called to me, and I, I always start and never finish, and I don't have enough time, and so I do want to achieve that what do you want to write about like what is what inspires you i am inspired by people i know and like their lives and uh, sort of my own but right now i have this outline that i wrote out of like my relationships throughout my entire time of being out as a gay person so that's kind of queer related queer queer related yeah so i there's like this format that i want to like actually like expand Pursue, and create yeah. a whole story sure <clears throat> do you what what kind of writing do you want to do do you want to write a book do you want to do scripts do you want to do i don't know when essays? i think stories in my head like like literally like in the shower or like in the car like anytime I'm by myself it's dialogue so i think mm. it'll be in the form of a script you know what Ooh. I mean? Because it's very dialogue based. Like it, I'm very interested in the way people communicate and interact. So I think I'd rather write a script than like a novel, you know, if you will. Wow. Who can I play? Me. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I don't know if I have the range, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll do my best. I'll do- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why don't we get into the exciting shit? Like, what movie we're doing this week? We are doing the fourth installment of our favorite horror franchise. Yes, we are doing Friday the 13th. (laughs) (laughs) New blood. (laughs) (laughs) No, we are doing Scream 4. This is, you know, the perfect bookend to the season as we prepare to start season four for you guys and with the new release of Scream 2022 coming out in just a few weeks um, we knew that we couldn't wait to do Scream 4 so we're bringing it to you now at your request we had many messages about when are you going to do Scream 4 well here it is I know people have been waiting for this episode like I cannot believe you guys didn't do Scream 4 I'm like what are you talking about bitch we're still making episodes (laughs) (laughs) 
We're not there yet. Give us a second. <laughs> yeah. Can we do other movies? My God. Yeah. I know. But obviously it just means that you're looking forward to hearing us talk about this. So we'll take on the challenge and we are bringing you Scream 4. You forgot the first rule of remakes, Jill. Don't fuck with the original. Scream 4, released in 2011, written by Kevin Williamson, directed by Wes Craven. Our film begins with Sherry and Trudy. (laughs) Not these names. (laughs) (laughs) And Gertrude and (laughs) Ursula. (laughs) And Priscilla. (laughs) (laughs) Played by Lucy Hale and Shanae Grimes. Two high school girls who are stalked and then brutally killed by Ghostface. However, this is the opening scene to Stab Six, which Rachel and Chloe, played by Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell, are watching. Rachel nags on about horror movie cliches, then Chloe gets out a knife and stabs her. Twice. This is actually the opening to Stab Seven, which Jenny and Marnie, played by Amy Teagarden and Britt Robertson, are watching. Marty questions the quality of the later sequels to the Stab franchise, and Jenny reminds her that the first three films are based on the true story of Sidney Prescott. After Jenny pranks Marnie with an app that changes your voice to that of Ghostface, she receives a threatening phone call from Ghostface himself. When Marnie's dead body is thrown through a glass door, she is chased through the house by Ghostface, leading to her being crushed by the garage door and a final stab from the killer. Title card, Scream 4. Woo! Okay, we're off to um, a convoluted start. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a a very confusing um, start to this movie. Yeah, Yeah. film within a film within a film. But are these, are we just watching the beginning of the films? Or are we just watching, is this the entire film? I'm confused. My guess is that it's like. Scream 2 is opened by Stab. So I'm sure in Scream or in Stab 3, it opens with the P. No, sorry. Oh, I see. So there's a whole movie that already exists. Yeah, because if you, I bet if you watch Stab 2, it's people going to the movies to watch Stab. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, so these, so if you're watching Stab 7, you're like re watching Stab 6, but you don't realize that you're watching. But but you're actually watching Stab Seven because then we get Chloe the title and card for Stab Seven, yeah, and they're pretending to watch Stab Six. So, okay. Oh my god, I have to say that out of these three openings, Sherry and Trudy's is my favorite. It is, and I literally wrote they 100% should have switched these actresses with these bitches that actually are the actual kills. I know, and my guess is that Kristen Bell and Anna Paquin being still of True Blood and Veronica Mars fame and yeah. <laughs> and um, Lucy Hale and Shania Shania, Shania Twain Shania um, Twain <laughs> <laughs> and Shanae Grimes at the time were still on Pretty Little Liars and 90210 so I think that that's the joke I guess that they're like TV yeah. stars that are in these movies of Stab kind of like Tori Spelling was sure. the Sydney in hers. But I'm just going to say it. Amy Teagarden and Britt Robertson 
are not giving any examples of how they are good actresses no, in this movie. They are not giving any kind of performance in this movie. It's like what like of all of them, like what made the first one so good was having like such an established star like Drew Barrymore yes. in in that opening sequence and it's like brilliantly acted it's brilliantly done and the fact that she's the star made it kind of scary so it's so confusing how we have four stars you could say you know yeah. quote unquote TV not to stars compare them to Drew but we know these girls right. these women yes exactly um, but then for the actual kills in, in the world to be Amy Teagarden and Britt Robertson, it's like, <laughs> wah, wait, what? Wah, I was like, wah. who are these girls? <laughs> yeah. Like, this isn't exciting if I don't know who you are. Like, what the hell? That's exactly. the whole point. We had, Jade, we had the Jadas and we had um, fucking Drew the, and know, Liev. Then we had like a legacy character, yeah, get killed in yeah. the opening. And then we get this. And I have to say that even just out of the three... Other than the actresses, the writing for this for Sherry and Trudy's section is the best. Yes, it's 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 like very meta. It's very of the times. I mean, they talk about you know the Saw killer. franchise and and torture porn, which was obviously I, still in its heyday in two thousand ten ish when this was probably you know created or yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, that that stuff is in- is interesting to listen to. It's fun. I like yeah the Facebook sort of killer. Tie-in. Yeah, like, even just the phone the calls one. in that scene are great. Like where she's like, "It's for you," you know, and all this yeah, all these little things that happen. Which actually, the rest of the movie really pales in comparison to what this scene establishes. Oh, for sure. I'm like, so like, stab six as, is like, better than scream four. <laughs> so stab six is the best and then uh, then we get to stab seven with rachel and chloe uh, which i do this? like this i do, do i do like the dialogue in this too i mean i think that this also you know addresses something which is the fact that these movies like scream you know one through three are played sort out of relics of their time <laughs> yeah, yeah like they <laughs> They're, what they brought to the horror game has changed and now what they what was so fresh and new in 1996 through 2000 is no longer fresh now it's like a played out trope yeah so that is a moment of meta that or you know I guess quote unquote meta here that I think works I think having Anna Paquin's character talk about you know stick a fork in 1996 already like this shit is already done <laughs> like yeah. there's no element She's of surprise aggressive in this it's scene. true yeah. She's so mad. Yeah. <laughs> She's pissed. She's jumping over the couch. I'm like, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> so I do like the dialogue in that scene too. Yes. And then we get to Jenny and Marnie and the script just derails completely. Just loses it. Like and it loses, like the writing all of a sudden gets really, really bad here. And the performances are terrible. Like, I don't think that Britt yeah. Robertson understood what her character was saying. Because the more I watch this scene, the part that irks me the most is when she's like, um, this has nothing to do with Woodsboro. What are you talking? Like, you know, she's saying it like, what are you talking about? Because she's like, yeah. I can't believe you've never seen these movies. We live in Woodsboro. She's like, it has nothing to do with Woodsboro. And she's like, well, the first three, Sydney Prescott, blah, 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 blah. And then she goes, don't we hear enough about this story every year? But you don't know about the Stab franchise? I'm like, that makes no sense. But I think it's her yeah. delivery and not so much 
the writing. Really? I think it's the I think it's the writing. That is such an oversight in the writing for Kevin Williamson to not realize that he just like wrote that totally (laughs) totally just discredited what she said literally five seconds before that. But also this is the alternate opening. Like this was not the first one filmed, so maybe it was like a not Kevin's fault. Maybe it was just like a writer's block thing happening amongst the crew. I, I don't know. I don't know. But honestly, there this is the first of... This is a huge oversight, like you said. But this is the first of many moments to come that I'm kind of like, Kevin's writing is a little stale in this movie. It is. Yeah, I do find it kind of like falling into some kind of corny, corny moments that I yeah. don't think... I mean, we've already always had like humor in these movies right totally and but there there's sometimes that you're just like man why did they why is was that line written like what is happening yeah and because you i know? think that scream three and scream four lean a little too much into comedy but even scream three yeah. has some very serious moments that kind of bring it back up but it doesn't quite capture the magic. Like, I know Scream 4, people love it because they feel like it really matches the tone of the first two. But I don't think it does at all. I think it's completely different. I think the first two really complement each other very, very well. In that it does have meta humor in it. But it's still... there's These characters that are living this in this universe are still taking yeah. these deaths very seriously. And at this point, in Scream 4, it's like... Oh my god, another person's dead. Well, I'm gonna say something very witty and I'm desensitized and I'm trying to And get I'm gonna story, party and, and I'm gonna yeah. Yeah, and I'm like it's almost like even Dewey, Gale, and Sydney forgot that these people are dying. Like <laughs> I'm like, okay, but you know, we'll get there, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, so we get uh our first murder, I guess, with with Marnie. I think that's the fact that we don't even see Marnie killed. She's like killed off screen and then just sort of willy nilly thrown through the door. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, that's kind of disappointing. We don't even get to see that. And then, um, you know, then we just have Jenny running up the stairs and into the garage, which I, okay, we're onto a little bit of an homage yes. right here. You know, we're in the, we're back in the garage. And then this moment happens where she's like, gets stabbed in the back. She falls down the stairs and then she's like crawling out. And then the garage door. And I know this is like, everybody kind of rolls her eyes at this scene because the garage door comes down and crushes her back when it's like, if you know anything about a, about a garage door, you knew that would never happen. Yeah. They have modern, sensors. Modern garage doors have sensors. You know, I, I kind of yeah. do believe Tatum getting crushed I, because that has happened to people. But like when they first came out, not now. You know, those little like rip cords that they have where if you pull it, the whole thing will go down. Yeah. That's what he should have done. He should have like grabbed one of those and pulled it. And then it just like landed on our back. Yeah. That would have been good. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been fucked up and crazy. But no, they decided to have him push the button and it just like slowly and just like crunches her back. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that this is the worst opening of the franchise. Oh, 100%. Hands down. But it has one of the best title cards. I really like this title oh, card. Oh, yeah. Updated. The technology is there. Yes. And we get um, a, a new song, which is which is exciting because not that... I mean, they always have like a kind of like a new song, but I feel like Something to Die For has kind of kind of takes the place of Red Right Hand in this yeah it does in this movie because that doesn't appear at all which is kind of strange 
I know. But also, do we need to hear it another time? Do we know. need to hear it? Yeah, I know. Yeah, they're like, we did it three times. We don't <laughs> need this damn song in. So it's nice to have a new little song. They even contacted the Bad Seeds for, <laughs> for <laughs> making the Bad Seeds for um, Scream 3 to add an extra verse to relate it to Scream. It's like, okay, yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're done with Red Rain. We're done. We don't need them anymore. <laughs> and also, uh, something that's introduced here that plays out through the entire movie is something that actually really bothers me about this movie and it's the filter that they use oh my god and the cinematography i'm like why is it it's like blurry and grainy it's like and glowy and gl- it's like glowing it looks like a soap opera and honestly i was looking i was like why does it have this soap opera vibe and then i was watching it um earlier today and there's a vignette like the corners, all four corners of the screen are dimmed out. Like, you know, when you add a vignette Whoa, to your yeah. photos. It's <laughs> On like, your Instagram filter. <laughs> yeah. There's like a black circle, like around the frame of the screen. I'm like, why? So weird. It's so, I hate the cinematography in this movie. It looks, I'm like, are they trying to cover up the age of the character, of the actors? Because yeah. we know they're old, but... <laughs> You don't have to blur Yeah, it's very things. weird. I'm like, is it, I feel like I'm sort of like watching a movie that takes place in a different, I don't know, world. Like they're in it a fantasy world or something. Like, yeah, it's so bizarre. I don't know if they tried some new technique or something, but I cannot believe that this happened. <laughs> it, it did. I it, mean, it yeah. really bothers it, me. I don't know why. It, it's, it just bugs me. I hate the way this looks. Yeah, it is. It, it's just weird. I just don't understand it. Like, <laughs> what other movie does this? Like, none that I can think of. Um, RuPaul's Drag Race season one. Yeah, literally, that's <laughs> it. Just some Vaseline on the camera, and <laughs> yeah. off we go. Like, so strange. Uh, but all right. Well, okay. Now you know how you feel about this opening. Yeah. Um, let's get to the good part of the movie. Yeah, because there are there's a lot there's a lot of good here. Don't think we're gonna shit on the whole yeah. thing. Well, I won't. Me either. <laughs> now 10 years since the events known as the Woodsboro Massacre, Sydney Prescott, played by Nev Campbell, returns to her hometown as one of the stops on her book signing tour, along with her ambitious publicist, Rebecca, played by Allison Bree. Meanwhile, we're reintroduced to Dewey, played by David Arquette, now the Woodsboro Sheriff, and Gail Riley, formerly Weathers, played by Courtney Cox, who struggles with small-town life and finding inspiration for her next book. We also meet three Woodsboro High students, Tough Girl Kirby, played by Hayden Penetier, with a fabulously strange hairstyle that I've never seen anything like it before. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and never will again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Hot girl Olivia, played by Marielle Jaffe. And Sydney's teenage cousin, Jill Roberts, played by Emma Roberts. Ooh. <laughs> you know how I feel about her. I know. I can't wait to dive in. <laughs> the three girls discuss Sydney's return to Woodsboro, but are interrupted when Jill receives a call in her cell from the deceased Marnie's cell phone. It is Ghostface asking, what's your favorite scary movie? Olivia claims to have received the same call earlier. In town, Sheriff Dewey and the new Deputy Judy Hicks, played by Marley Shelton, laugh over lemon squares before being alerted of the murders at Jenny Randall's residence. 
At Woodsboro High, the girls have an encounter with tech geek Robbie, played by Eric Knudsen, and cinema club president Charlie, played by Rory Culkin, asking them, what's your favorite scary movie, in celebration of the anniversary of the Woodsboro Massacre. In the halls, Jill runs into her ex-boyfriend Trevor, played by Nico Tortorella. I love that dish. Oh, yeah. Mmm, son la house of Tortorella. Father's on house Tortorella. Whom she dumped after he cheated on her. Gail arrives at Sydney's book signing and they have an amicable reunion. Things do not go well when Dewey interrupts the signing, claiming that the murder of Jenny and Marnie are linked to a cellular phone somewhere in the bookstore's vicinity. Everyone is surprised when the phone is found in the trunk of Sydney's rental car, along with bloody handprints. All right, so we're getting the old, we're getting the new. Um, lots of characters being introduced here. These are obviously our main players who um, we're going to see sliced and diced. Yes. Um, Sydney returns to Woodsboro, which I, after Scream 3, I never thought she'd be there again. For some reason, she's compelled to come back to this town that has caused her a lot of trauma. But I mean, yeah. you, when you think about it, though... There was only one of these, you know, massacres that happened in Woodsboro. So it's like, what is she going to do? Never go anywhere again? So we're reintroduced to these legacy characters. Dewey and Gail are now married, which is funny because weren't David and Courtney divorced by this movie? Yes, they are. <laughs> which I'm like, you know, good for them for putting their differences aside for the franchise, for the fans. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure they're probably... They obviously are okay with each other. Yeah, I saw some behind-the-scenes stuff where they did interviews yeah. together, and they're, like, laughing at each other's jokes. And oh, stuff. I'm sure they I, are. They're friends. You know what? At one point, they loved each other. Of course. And, so, and they have a daughter together. Know. You know, they're friends. Yeah. So then we meet some of these new Woodsboro Williams. Um, Kirby, played by Han- Hayden Panettiere, who I have to say is probably the best of the young actors. Oh, she's so good in this. Like she's so good. I, yeah, she's so natural and she's so funny and witty. She just no she gets it. She's always gotten it. Uh, yeah. I've always I don't know what happened to her. I know she had like that long stint on Nashville, but like why isn't she still like a thing? I heard that she's difficult to work with. Oh no. I know. I heard that I mean, but you know, it, they try to trash Who women in Hollywood by saying that. I know. I'm like, she's a star. Um, well, was. And so, <laughs> no. I would say also, I feel like at this point, she had been playing a high schooler for like 11 years. years. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I think Kirby, too, the way Kirby is written is a good follow up to like Tatum. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. There's. So- I, this might be controversial, but I kind of might like Kirby a little more than Tatum. You're I liked, nuts. I know. <laughs> I, I, I think she's kind of funnier, and I think that she... I mean, she... Sure, she's funnier. I'll give her that. Her sense of... Hu- she has a broader sense of humor than She has a broader Ms. sense Tatum. of humor. I, they're just as dumb as each other in the end, I will say. Yeah, yeah. She basically runs into the knife at the end. <laughs> Literally, yeah. <laughs> and like, Tatum is too dumb to to not know that there's an actual killer, and then tries to like 
be yeah. a sarcasm her way out of it. Like, girl, <laughs> yeah. stop. Well, I'm just going to go to this pet door. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I they, don't know. Like, I think they're comparable. I do. I they, really, there's I a know. yin and yang sort of thing for with them. Sure. They have different qualities that make them both great. Sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I'm not going to compare them. I think they're both great. I think you're delusional. No. But. Ah! <laughs> no, I mean. You are just such a Tatum stan. You love her. I, I love I love the character of Tatum. I do love the character of Kirby, too. I think she's really great. And I think that Hayden really acts yeah. this part very well. Um, and then we have Olivia, who's just like, why is she mm-hmm. here? And why is this girl playing her? <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> Who is this girl? I don't think I've seen her in anything before this or anything after this. Well, def- I think that they gave her a shot. They were like, you know what? Um, we got you an audition. And they were like, sure, whatever. She's not a big part. And they were like, okay, great. And then they saw her in the movie. And they're like, yeah, no, we're not putting her in anything else. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that she's bad in this. I think she's fine. You don't? I no. don't think she's bad. She has some funny lines that you and I quote all the time. <laughs> I hate Jenny Randall. <laughs> I hate Jenny Randall. That is like one of our favorite things that we quoted when this movie came out. We thought it was so funny. Because it was it's so subtle. Some people might not even hear that line. I know. A lot of people probably haven't even heard it. They don't you know show us. her we saying lo- it. It's just a <laughs> yeah. sound bite. We love we love a sound bite. We it's so do. Weird. It's so <laughs> inserted. The characters don't even react to it. They're like, I got a call from Jenny Randall this morning. I hate Jenny Randall. And no one I says anything stand. about no, it. She, she says, I can't there. stand Jenny Randall. Oh, I can't stand Jenny Randall. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So good. It's like, so good. But, but I mean, I guess that doesn't mean that she's like her. a brilliant actress. It's just <laughs> yeah. funny. It's, she's kind of stiff. But I think, she get, I think she tried her best. So, yeah. Sure. That's that's true. Um, and then we got our girl. We got our girl. This Miss was Emma. the birth of an entire uh, career. Seriously, I mean, you know, before this, she was unfabulous. Oh yeah, she yeah, was a Nickelodeon yeah. star. She had done Nancy, Nancy Drew. Drew. Okay, Nancy. Who? Like I said, this was the birth of Nancy a career. Odell. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she played Nancy Odell in a movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, she had like little things here and there. But I guess, like, I guess what I meant was this was the beginning of like a very particular <laughs> yes section of her career. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, this is when people went, "Oh, she's kind of like good at this." Yes. One thing. So Ryan Murphy was like, I am obsessed. (laughs) Yes, he must have seen this and just instant hard on. He was like, I'm writing a character for her in my new season of American Horror Story. And actually, she's so good. I'm going to write her a spinoff where she plays the same character with a different (laughs) name. Who's Republican. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh, no. Yeah, so Emma Roberts... I mean, we don't have to get into, like, the evil Emma Roberts or evil Jill Roberts yet. But, okay, what do we think of, like, nice Jill Roberts? Budding ingenue. The budding ingenue. She's the new Sydney. That's obviously what they're trying to do, right? Yes, yes, yes. I, okay, here's what I think about it. And I have to mention evil Jill in order to make my point. Okay, by the time we get to the end and we figure out who she is, what she's done, yes. and why. Her acting is so well on the dark side of Jill, but yeah. 
this first part where she's it's sort of light right like it's sort of like yeah it's not really matching Hayden Panettiere's character but after you watch it and you watch it again and again it and again sense. it makes sense you're like it oh so much my sense. gosh yes because you're like Shh. this girl is playing it up I mean, is that a choice that Emma Roberts made I don't know. Did it translate? Absolutely. It is probably an unintentional, like, it's probably unintentional genius. Like, it's just so, like, it's almost like her acting is not great throughout the movie. But by the time you get to her revealing herself as the killer, it's a total 360 that you're like, oh my God, it all makes sense. Yeah. She was supposed to be a bad actor. Yeah, she was she was badly portraying somebody who was sweet and innocent, and you know if you think of it like she's always she, from the time we meet her, this plan is now gone into effect, right? Yeah, and she's she's just playing it up. She's like hitting every sort of shy ingenue. Thing. You know, box. And, and not know? just like any shy ingenue. She is sort of doing the Sydney thing. I don't know what Miss Emma Roberts. Um, process was in becoming Jill but she really does do this thing where she grabs like her elbow or you know we always talk about Miss Nev grabbing her neck and oh uh, yeah you know doing these (laughs) her her Sydney-isms her her breathing her like (gasps) yeah yeah hello um (laughs) yeah yeah that I think Emma does almost like a takes that idea and like made it her own to become Jill. Like she does have have these little things that I think are what makes me like think, is she being a bad actress or is this a choice that she made for Jill trying to act her way through this situation? I mean, I guess it depends on how much they filmed without her knowing that she was the the killer. killer. (sighs) I hope they told her all along. Like from the beginning. I don't think I don't know. Isn't it like the rumor or whatever that they didn't find out until a lot later? I feel like that's she, kind of hard. There's no how there's would no way. they even I do feel like that? maybe Rory didn't know that he was the second killer. Sure. But yeah, I feel there's like because no, there's Emma, so much that relies on on that third act and like in her story yes. specifically that there's no way that she could have known. And also, how would they not audition her? To be able to play this. doing that. Yes, exactly. Because Did everybody have to audition to potentially play the killer? I would hope so. Because I think that uh, in a behind-the-scenes clip, there's a video of Wes Craven saying that Emma Roberts, when she came into audition, like she was able to pull off the duality of the character. So she had to have known. Yeah, that's true. Like He that's, was like, that, she was wow. really able to pull this off. And I was like, okay, great. This is great. Okay. All right. Great. All right. If, if so I, I think she knew. I don't know is... that the second killer knew who they were, though. Sure. Sure. Okay. Good. Okay. That would, uh, that makes me feel better about <laughs> about her performance as 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 good Jill. I think she makes some great choices. There are some moments that you know, like Miss Amy G. Garden, Miss Britt Robertson do this like Disney Channel thing where they like react to something like. <sighs> Like that sort of like, yeah. Hmm, I don't know. Like I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. But these little reactions that are like, maybe they thought Service that wasn't going to be yeah. in the final cut. Um, Performative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah Playing for like, the back ah. row. But honestly, when it all comes together, it's actually pretty genius. Even if it was not on purpose. 
Absolutely. I agree. And we also got get Nico Tortorella, queer little star he is now. <laughs> yeah. And he is this is uh, he's so hot. <laughs> He's, he's like kind of like awkward and lanky in this, but he's still hot. He's such yeah. a beautiful face. He does. He has nice bone structure, and honestly, his body these days is just amazing. Uh, Even just though it's <laughs> you know doodled with all these random lines. Um, yeah, they are. But <laughs> but in this movie, yes, you're right. They show that long that shot from further back down the hallway yeah. and it literally looks like he's scratching his ankles with his hands while standing <laughs> while, while standing up I'm like why are his arms so long it's uh, it's, it's it's weird it's uh, it, I mean like that's any better it's different. I know it's ugly no weird it's, it's ugly <laughs> yeah it's unappealing it's uh, no, he's, <laughs> it's unattractive he's it's, just he's just <laughs> caveman-ish <laughs> he's super just lanky in this but he's just hot, and he has that little heart-shaped nose, which is to die for. Oh, yes. I know exactly what you mean. It's like the cartilage, yeah. the shape of the cartilage at the tip of his nose. Okay, this movie also kind of destroys this line for me of what's your favorite scary movie. It's being thrown around just left and right. Like, it was very sacred to the first movie, because I don't think that that question was ever asked in any of the sequels. No, so, it was not. I don't know why it's being so. We hear it like eight times in the first ten minutes of this movie. Yeah, I'm like, like okay. what's your favorite scary movie? Shut up. Yeah, Bambi. Bambi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a great delivery, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, it's so dry. Like even her voice yeah. sounded like it was gonna crack. Um, yeah. <laughs> Naomi Deputy Judy Hicks, which I have to say, Marley's choices as Judy are so odd, but it works so well. <laughs> it is because Deputy Judy Hicks, okay, she is like, I don't know how Deputy Judy Hicks got this job as the deputy. Uh, she must be a her good dedication. Student. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's like Misty t- <laughs> from Yellow Jackets. Like, how did yeah, that crazy yeah. bitch become a nurse? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just so funny because she's like, even how she walks, you could tell like this is obviously not Marley's strong point as an actor. She's very, she's a very soft, high voice, and and she's just not yeah. like a rugged person. But I think it kind of adds to the character that she's like trying to make herself kind of bigger and more, yeah. more it's authoritative than she is. It's almost like she didn't know where is. her place was. Even this backstory that she gets for herself of like she did theater with Sydney and she was um, yeah. just like a random lost boy. Oh, she was she's a lost, lost boy. boy. That's yeah. right. You were Tiger Lily. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't remember you. It just so, and you tell like she's like enthusiastic, and she. I feel like Judy Hicks wants to be good at her job, but she's probably, she's just like a little too soft for it. She wants to be good at something, and yeah, this, I think she just knows so much. Like she's worked so hard, like you're saying, she studied so hard, but yet she doesn't really fit in. So I think she tries to assert herself as like I can do yes. this by doing yes. that walk. That's not right, natural yes. to her. Of course. I think that is, I think it works for her. I think she's trying mm-hmm. to just assert her authority and be this big, tough person that everybody knows and remembers. And 
you know, and it's just even the way she does her co- voice in some scenes, like when she goes, she yeah. wants to be part of the investigation, sheriff. <laughs> did you see that um scream 2022 during their 12 days of holidays marketing released a recipe for oh, yes. lemon square so i think they're making a comeback in 2022 oh my god i wonder i hope they do i hope they do make a comeback and she's making a comeback like that is exciting to me you know what i know she's kind of a weird random character but i do like the fact that they're bringing back judy hicks I do too. I think that Marley Shelton does a fantastic job as Judy. <laughs> she does. She does. Um, and I'm excited. And she looks kind of more angry or like maybe her something, something happens that is going to really set her off. And I wonder if her son gets killed. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So then we meet Robbie and Charlie, which could have easily been one character. <laughs> oh, I hate the character of Robbie. He's my least favorite character, maybe in the entire franchise. I find him to be extremely annoying, but I think that the qualities that they wanted his character to introduce in the film could have easily just been put into Charlie. Like, I don't think yeah. these need this needed to be two characters. They're one and the same, and there's so much focus on Robbie that it probably would have been better if he had been the killer, because Charlie just seems very unnecessary like he doesn't provide much to the storytelling other than that maybe he has a crush on Kirby maybe not she kind of leads him on that's the only interesting thing about him but that could have easily again been the character of Robbie yeah he he doesn't really have any standout characteristics like he's the president of of cinema club okay and then he's kind of like stoic-y And okay, but yeah, but you're right. They definitely could have just been one character. I think the problem with this movie is that it tried to, you know, the whole topic of this movie, which I think is really clever, is they're rebooting the original Woodsboro Massacre. So the original staff, the original Scream. So they have these characters that are reflections of the characters from the original. So Kirby sort of serves as the Tatum, even though Olivia does as well, because also Olivia is compared to Tatum because she's the the hot hot girl girl death. But so it's kind of like, because they need a bigger body count in these sequels, they take in these ideas of these characters and split them into two. But their second half of that character is not, it doesn't need to exist. It's just there to be killed. So yeah, I, I agree. Robbie and Charlie, uh, not this my is like favorite characters. This is like having two Randys. Oh. Like that would yeah. that would have been totally unnecessary. And now we see it here, and it's like it is unnecessary. Yeah, especially because yeah, because we don't really get like a stew. You know? No, no yeah. Like, Where's the goofball? Not neither. Is that what is that what Robbie's supposed to be? Is he supposed to be the goofball <sighs> because he's not goofy? Like he's a nerdy annoying. stew? I don't like that. Yeah, no. Because Stu to me is more like a reflection of like clueless. Like they even call, oh really, Alicia? Like that kind of like energy (laughs) that he brings to the original screen. Yeah, isn't really reflected in these characters. So I wouldn't say that. I I think that this is Randy split in two, and it doesn't work for me. I I I don't. I didn't need both. I just needed one. Yeah, I just needed one for sure. All right, and then um, at this point, who who else do we have left? We have. Gale and Dewey, where they are right now, obviously in their relationship. I do like their dynamic. I do too. I th- I think it's good. I think it's good to take take Gale and give her more of a of a hurdle to get over. 
you know, we've, we've seen her like ascend to the heights, heights of her career between the first three. And now she has to like, now she's been knocked down a peg almost. And now she's like struggling to live in small town life. She's always in pajamas. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like her heyday was these murders. You know, that's what she was making her money off of. But now that these, this time has passed, it's like, what? It's like Sydney's the new Gale and Jill is the new Sydney. Before yeah, we find out who the killer is, but and so she's exactly just unnecessary. I know, and she's kind of, yeah, she's like watching like Sydney kind of you know take her thing, succeed, <laughs> and she's like whatever. Um, what there's even bitch. in that deleted scene where they mentioned Neil Prescott is dead. Dewey goes, "Are you going to Sydney's book signing?" She goes, "No." Has she ever been at any of mine? <laughs> yeah, like she's gonna go to a signing of the Woodsboro Murders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Fuck you, Gail. Um, I do love Gail. She's. I love I think Gail. She's a, she'll forever be my favorite character. I think I the most Gail. interesting thing about this new dynamic with Dale and Go- <laughs> Dale and Gooey, <laughs> Dale and Gooey, <laughs> <laughs> is that um, they were brought together by the mayhem and murders of the first three movies, and I think yeah. that them working together to investigate who it could possibly be really was the the seed of their romance, and then we've you know they finally get to get married at Scream 3, the nightmare is over, and then we find them in Scream 4 and they're not very happy, like Dewey is almost being entertained by this other woman, Miss Judy and um, Gail is uh, (laughs) depressed, she's like, I never wanted to live in Woodsboro, I fucking hate this place (laughs) Yeah, she's like, I don't know I have nothing exciting to write about like the things, I could be out there, you know, doing the hard hitting stories and things like that, but I decided to live in this little town where nothing ever happens and what how do i how do i go on how do i get mine you know and that's tough that's tough for her yeah yeah so i do like the way i think that the way their characters have evolved to this point is somewhat realistic yeah no i agree it's true to who they are as characters i love that yeah definitely i just gotta say so this book signing scene it's nice that we see like the characters all together for the first time, you know, Sydney and Gail, they hug it out and then Dewey shows up and the chaos ensues, but this always gets me and this is such a stupid little thing, but you cannot tell me, you cannot tell me that while they were inside the bookstore, that they were able to hear a ringing cell phone in the trunk of a car outside and not know who it was. Not one of <laughs> yeah. those shops on that motherfucking street had cameras. Come yeah, on. what the hell? In the middle of the day? I mean, obviously, did they do this before they rolled up to the to the bookstore? Like, And let me tell you, I've been to the real Woodsboro. I've walked down those streets, and all them people have cameras in front of their shops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just like, what? Oh, like, you gotta be kidding me. And then, the fact that this is how we're introduced to Adam Brody's character, just like, I was like, wait, is that Adam Brody? Not not a formal introduction, just in the middle of the action. There he is. It's like very bizarre in the background. Um, yeah, that is weird. Also, Sydney's writing is amateur at Girl. best. I mean, she, she was gonna be an actress, not a writer. <laughs> she's re- she's reading this book and she's like, "So I decided to move forward into the light, out of darkness." The end. The end. And then when Dewey quotes her book back to her, he goes, well, 
I once read from a very wise author that sometimes you expect things to get worse and they don't. They actually get better. I'm like, <laughs> wow. And he's all out of darkness, page 122. And she's like, you read I my know. book. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I could probably if, say if that's what you want to call quote, it. And it probably sounds yeah. like it also came from your book. We should make a t-shirt with that on it. <laughs> <laughs> what? Things get better? With her or, with her quote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sydney Prescott. <laughs> I was like, um, okay. And also not her looking like the ghost face mask on the cover of her book. <laughs> oh my God. I know. She looks so sad. I was um, like, this isn't flattering. But I, do, but I did think that that was very cute that they like brought that quality over from Dewey from Scream 2 that he reads books and memorizes the pages that they're, that he's yeah. quoting. Page like, oh, 456. That's... Dewey yeah. <laughs> enters the room with Dewey his Dewey oozed with inexperience. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, he's a reader. All right, we, we've talked enough about these characters. Let's move on to the next part. While Dewey intends to find out what is going on, the incident quickly spreads across the town like wildfire. The teenagers are all notified of the murders on their cell phones, and the campus is quickly swarmed by police and news vans. At the police station, Gail is determined to be part of the investigation, but Deputy Judy and Dewey want her to stay in her lane. Gail decides that this is her chance to regain her spark and decides to go rogue in order to solve the case without the help of Dewey. Jill, Kirby, and Olivia are interviewed at the station for receiving the threatening calls from the killer. There they meet Sydney, who is instructed to stay in town as she may be a material witness. A material, a material witness <laughs> living in a scream world. Material. Outside, the unaffected Rebecca fangirls over Gail, who quickly tells her off, already feeling herself regaining her mojo. Dewey assigns a police detail to patrol the place where Sydney will be staying, which happens to be the residence of her aunt Kate, played by Mary McDonald and Jill. It is here that Sydney has a deja vu moment in going to her cousin's room, only to see her cousin's ex-boyfriend Trevor sneaking out a nearby window after Jill asked him to leave. She is startled by Deputy Judy, who waits outside the bedroom door in the shadows, claiming to have admired Sydney since they were teenagers, although Sydney doesn't remember her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what? what's your name? Trudy Hicks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Deputy Judy. <laughs> Jebby <Jeffy> Duty, <laughs> Duty, <laughs> Doofy. <laughs> Later that evening, Jill and Kirby are watching a movie in Jill's room and chat with Olivia on the phone as she returns to her home next door. Kirby then gets a call from someone sounding like Ghostface, but this time from Trevor's phone. The voice claims he's hiding in the closet, which Kirby checks but finds no one. The voice then claims that he isn't standing in Jill's closet. In the house next door, Olivia is shocked when the killer bursts out from her closet and gruesomely kills her, stabbing her repeatedly in the stomach and through the hand and her back. Oh my God. Sydney hears what's going on and breaks into Olivia's house, attempting to stop the killer. However, she is too late and Olivia lays gutted on her bed. When Jill arrives, Ghostface attacks again, cutting Jill's arm and brawling with Sydney. He then flees out the back door just as cops Haas and Perkins, played by Anthony Anderson and Adam Brody, arrive. Oh my god, okay. Woo! 
right, now we're getting good. Now we're getting good. Yeah, now this is starting to feel like a Scream movie, I feel like. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We had to establish all these characters, and now we got to kill them. Yeah, now there are news vans, which is very Scream, you know, like news vans, police, reporters, cameras. Like, this is feeling very Scream. So, yes, this is exciting. I think that this is where the movie sort of gets us into gear. Um, it, the, the start of this movie is kind of a little slow, a little hard to get through. But once we get here, I'm like, okay, I'm into it. Now we got like these kids finding out super quickly because, you know, we got to incorporate the technology part of it. Like, you know, we're in 2011 now. We're not in 1996 where um, they have to tell each other. <laughs> They can just open their phones, their sidekicks or whatever, and they can uh, learn the news. Yeah. Now turn on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. It's, it's very exciting. And then we have um, we have our first kind of interaction between uh, Gail and Judy, who seem to be some sort of rivals or something. I, I don't know. It's ne- not necessarily that they're rivals. But it's yeah. uh, Gail is very, I don't want to say threatened, but she's kind of threatened by Judy. I think what it is is that Dewey, D- Gail knows what Judy's up to. She knows that she wants yeah. her man, and Dewey I don't is think she's just threatened. that's wrong. I said that wrong. She's not Dewey is like super nice and like he can't turn it down. He can't shut it down. He's like, no, she's just my my coworker. She's my deputy and da da da. And yeah. Gail's like, I'm onto you, bitch. And so. She has to assert her dominance over Judy. And I think that this back and forth thing that they have is so funny. (laughs) It is. It's so good. Like having, (laughs) having somebody like stand in the way of like her being involved in the investigation and stuff is is just really funny because, you know, she like, you know, Gail can't keep her grubby little paws out of this. Like she has to be involved. Like even though she has nothing to do with any of this. Right. She yeah. just she needs to be involved, and she needs it for her soul because she's like struggling right now to like, like my make it through. Dead teenagers, I'm on it. I'm um, on it. This is my bread and butter. I do love yeah. that line though, where she's like, "Are you familiar with the phrase? I wrote the book on this." Okay, I was just gonna mention that line. Okay. I thought that maybe Mr. Kevin Williamson could have maybe come up with something better just based on how she acted it. Because when Judy says she wants to be a part of the investigation, Sheriff, and (laughs) and Gail goes, okay, um, like, it sounds like you're like, oh, my gosh, she's going to give her a real good singer. She's going to read her down. Are you familiar with the term? I wrote the book on this. (laughs) I'm like, okay. That I she should and she needed another little she needed, she needed a, a like a a, a, a period at the end of it yeah, yeah. she needed a punctuation period. at That's the end she of says. it period <laughs> period <laughs> period <laughs> period <laughs> period poo <laughs> period pooty <laughs> deputy pooty <laughs> oh my god no yeah like she needed a she needed a punctuation on the end of that zinger because it could have been good. But then she just slams yeah. the door, and you're like, she oh, warmed Gail, up, not, and then she not your like, best, not your best. <laughs> yeah, I like when he do goes. Do you remember local woman? Sh- like, do you remember local that? Woman. Like that, that was the insult. Of the that ages. was the read. Yes. Yeah. And when Gail, when <laughs> when Dewey is sort of trying to protect her, but also in doing that, he's kind of demeaning her work in a way where he's like, 
I can't let you be part of this investigation. I'm the sheriff now. And she goes, right? (laughs) And? It's just like, and? And Also, he's like, yeah. And also, it seems like he's forgotten that she's written the Woodsboro murders. Because he's like really confused. He's like, I don't see what that has anything to do with it. She's like, because I real, I literally fucking wrote the book on this. And he's like, what? But it's like, established in both Scream Two and Scream Three that he fucking hates that book, and he thinks she's that's an amateur true. writer. That that is true. A mediocre writer at best. Maybe so. he's trying to save her career. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> Dewey. Yeah, a real knight in shining armor. <laughs> He's like, sweetie, you. The world doesn't need another one of your books, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, she really needed to hear that really caring statement from her husband. <laughs> America wants you to stay in Woodsboro. So yeah. So now we got them. We got uh, Jill Kirby and Olivia meeting Sydney. Um, some really funny dialogue in this moment with from Miss Hayden. She she just kills it. She's so funny. Yeah. In this. She's like, wait, I didn't get a phone call. Does that mean I'm not going to live as long as these two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, great. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then we get the introduction of Miss Aunt Kate, which where the hell has this bitch been? Where has this bitch been? And why hasn't she been there for her niece until now? Literally. Um, I will say, though, she's in a different movie. She's on Broadway, honey. <laughs> she's on Broadway, mama. We've always talked about this since yes. we've watched this. We're like, she is also she wanted to be an actress, too. And yeah. she's jealous of Maureen. Because she got to be in all those hits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Creatures from the San Andreas Fall. Yeah. And her sister was a star of the silver screen and she won't let it go. She's like, I could have been an actress too, you know. Yeah. This one this yeah, Aunt Kate is a frequent player in the local community theater for sure. Yeah. Maureen's jealous Aunt sister. Kate, Aunt Kate was the killer. I mean I well, guess I will tell you that I reveal mean, would have been fabulous. <laughs> oh my god, it it really would have been. She drops but like, she she takes the mask off and she has a full face of makeup. She's ready for the uh, stage. And then yes. she and then she pulls a string and the whole robe comes off and she's wearing a red sequin gown. Oh my god. Yeah, it's just like a full ball gown. And she has a microphone to tell her motive. <laughs> <laughs> and she snaps her fingers and it's just a single spotlight. Oh my god. And then dancers come out behind her. <laughs> She's yeah. like, the name on everybody's <laughs> lips is gonna be Aunt Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Rena this and Rena that Rena. and Rena, Rena, Rena. <laughs> oh my gosh. That would have been great. Not Rena. Not her fake name. <laughs> her stage name. She's like, she got that name from me. Yeah. I called her Rena. That was my childhood name for her. As she smokes a cigarette. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. That honestly could have been really great. But like Mary McDonald is like, she's like a legitimate actress. Like she's, she's been in a lot of great things. So it is kind of funny that I feel like her performance is so bizarre in this movie. <laughs> I will say she is kind of, she, there are some moments in this movie where I feel like she did, was doing them like a favor being in this movie. Like someone was like, Hey, can you play this girl's mom? Oh, she was like, sure. well, 100%. Cause she wasn't the original person cast. The original person oh, cast was Lauren Graham. Lauren Graham was in this movie before, uh, what, something happened. What happened to Lauren Graham? And, but she had to drop out last minute and they replaced her. Which... That actually would have been visually 
better. Way, like she way better. Looks like she could be related like, to Maureen and Sydney and Jill. Like she's almost like the tie-in of the three. Yeah, she looks like Nev Campbell. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Why did let me see? Let me read real quick. Scheduling issues. I guess. With what? Uh, Gilmore Girls? Or Bad Santa 2? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. And no, probably Parenthood. Okay, so she gave up being a part of a legacy to be in a TV show that no one remembers? I'm sh- It's probably a more consistent paycheck. I don't know. She probably wasn't making the big bucks for playing Aunt Kate in Scream <laughs> 4. So I'm sure she probably made the financially more responsible <laughs> decision. Sure. Okay, so moving on. um, (laughs) (laughs) So we didn't talk about this, but Trevor and Jill have this ongoing sort of drama that is also going to be relevant in Scream 2022. Not Jill's storyline, but just a very similar storyline where Jill and Trevor were a couple and Jill feels betrayed because Trevor cheated on Jill with... Um, Jenny Randall. <laughs> and so oh, yeah. um, that's really interesting because that does sort of tie into Scream 1 as well, where there's this interesting conversation or idea rather, because it's almost like, what does Casey have to do with anything? Well, Casey dated Stu. And yeah, uh, she, like five seconds. Yeah. Until, until she dumped him for Steve. Um, yeah. I thought you dumped her for me. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's that, which I think is interesting. And it, that's also going to be a plot line in uh, Scream 2022. So there's sort of something with this, these teenage relationships yeah. that always kind of has a moment in these movies. Yeah. I think it's like what Melissa Brer's character and Jack Quaid, like they're like exes or something. I, well, also, um, Liv McKenzie, who we're thinking might be related to the McKenzies, <laughs> the Casey Becker's neighbors. Um, <laughs> she has to be. She is dating Richie, who is Randy's nephew, Martha's son. Not Martha. <laughs> Not Martha. What's her name? No, you're right. Oh, it's Martha. Just, okay, okay. Um, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, not her. <laughs> oh, not Martha. I know she better be in this. Um, so, <laughs> so Liv and Richie are together, but Liv used to date Kyle Gallner's character. Oh, who also looks like he may be a ghost face victim. So, who knows? What is going to happen in this movie? I'm so Honestly, intrigued. I'm so intrigued. I'm so confused. But I'm really excited. I think that this is probably the most hype any of Scream's sequels have gotten, has gotten. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And they've given us so little that I'm like, I, that just makes it all the more exciting. But it better live up to the mystery. God damn it. Please, please don't disappoint. Please. So there's an interesting melodrama interwoven into the story that I think Scream is kind of known for because... Yeah, I think that that was an interesting concept that maybe wasn't really in other slasher movies that came before this, where it's like there's sort of these soap opera dramas happening amongst these teenagers. Like it's almost yeah, like Beverly Hills be- 90210 meets, uh, you know, Friday the Thirteenth or something like that. You know yeah, because I mean? before it was just like we're all teenagers and we're all horny and we all fuck and we all go to the same camp and we all do that. You know, there's yeah. not not much going on like mystery wise that could contribute to who the killer is because those movies yeah aren't, aren't a whodunit and i think that adding that drama um really amps up the whodunit aspect because you're yes. there's so many reasons now why somebody could you know 
yeah. attempt to kill all people. You know what I'm saying? You're exactly right. Yeah. And this is playing out so much like the original that Trevor is easily our red herring Billy Loom our new Billy Loomis. Right, yeah. He's like dark and broody and he sneaks in through our window. And uh, yeah, he's definitely reminiscent of that. And I think that Jill and Charlie were on the right track when they decided to to frame him. Frame him. Yeah. yeah. For another reason than just he's kind of like annoying and <laughs> and dark and yeah. broody. He is annoying. He's way more uh, annoying than Billy is, but you know. Okay, so Olivia's death. I think Oof. this is a really successful moment in this movie. Oh, this is probably one of the best scenes for sure. This it's whole like, so good. Everything, everything from the phone call when um, you know Jill and uh, Kirby get the phone call, and just Hayden's performance in this scene when she's like, "Who the fuck are you?" It's just like, and he's like, "It's I'm great." Hiding in the closet, and she sort of gets nervous. I like, yeah, Hayden. My friend Hayden, she does these little (laughs) subtle facial movements that tell you everything you need to know. It's like her face will drop, you know, or like her eyes will wander and you're picking up on... She's very natural, like you said. She's very natural. She plays this very grounded. And I think that's what... You know, you can see. Yeah. Whereas everyone else is putting on a performance, she's really like grounded in this character. Like, yeah, she's yeah. Now this you're character's not. like very down to earth and feels yes. like you're like a real kind of like cool girl. She's fucking cool. Like, and I think she sets the whole tone for the you know obviously for what we end up getting from this scene because when he says, "I didn't say I was in your closet." And her face drops and she turns to Olivia's window and then it's like, bang, you know, and it kicks off this really exciting kill, which I think is the best one in the, yeah, in the movie. Yeah. It's, it's for sure brutal. And, you know, of course we had to get a little bit of a, uh, undressing scene which okay whatever she is a hot little little bod so good for her oh my god um, her body's amazing honestly it's very similar to mine (laughs) (laughs) just a little bigger than yours except my bra is red (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my god but ew there's like a scene where the cops are outside and they like kind of like check her out i'm like ew she's a teenager you fucking psycho yeah I'm like, gross. ew, that's gross. But yeah, when, you know, he kicks off this whole murder scene and she gets stabbed through the hand. I think that was one of Ooh, the things first, that we were like, oh yeah. my God, this Ooh, is the first time this yeah. has ever happened. And she gets stabbed so much. That, she does, poor thing. She gets just like, Oh, just and, then tossed, and then her dead body gets tossed through the window. And this oh my God. has always been the running joke for us where <laughs> yes. Ghostface slams her lifeless body through the window. That big ass dummy. <laughs> and drags it along the glass, and then he um, sort of just waves this knife at Kirby and Jill, like, "You're next." Yeah, he's it's sort of like an old man, like yelling, "Get off my lawn!" You're yeah, like, ah, I'm gonna get yeah. you. You say this, I'm gonna yeah. stab you next. You got it. <laughs> yes. I'm like, why does he do that? He like shoves her body out the window, and then he's like, ah! yeah. So as Jake and, and I were watching life. this in theaters several times, well, the first time especially, <laughs> we were like, okay, so the killer has to be over 65 because who would <laughs> so shake like, their it, knife like this? It is. It's Aunt Kate. I'm telling it's you. Neil she Prescott. Was... Finally, he's the killer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's finally Maureen Prescott. <laughs> <laughs> 
Finally, yeah. she's going to make her her uh, killer debut. <laughs> I told you I'd come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ghost. It's the ghost of Maureen Prescott. That'd be fucking hilarious. Sydney unmasks the killer and there's nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's just like, a, a, oh, that'd be scary. Like, the fuck, like it's the, like it's the fucking ghost of Christmas future. It's an actual <laughs> ghost face. It's just <laughs> nothing there. Um, wait, that's, <gasps> I hope they think of that for Scream 5. <laughs> <laughs> and then the ending, it's Sydney with a bloody knife. She's done it all as Maureen. Like uh, her, she's finally cracked and her personality split Oh my god, Norman Bates. And she's, yeah. her, yes, she's Sydney, but she's also Maureen. Oh my god. Oh that would really give, give Nev a chance to shine in this franchise. Yes. Oh my god. No wonder she came back because they gave her a real juicy part to sink her teeth. There's into. a whole song. <laughs> There's no business oh, like business show business. I know. <laughs> oh my god. That's fucking funny. Okay, so Maybe. Olivia's body. This, I'm so glad they changed this scene because originally. They were going to find her body with the frame of a pet door around her neck. Oh, my God, I know. Like, they were really trying to play up this, like, this is a reboot of the original. Like, like see? There's a pet door around her neck. I don't think... Yeah. I, I think that the uh, the test screen audiences are probably our saving grace on this one. They're probably like, that's dumb. No. No, no, no. Like, okay. We don't need that. We'll change it. We'll just spray blood all over the yeah. walls and ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll put some fucking uh, sausage links on her stomach. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is a little much, but you know what? It, I mean, that's it's what would a really happen, elevated right? death scene, you know. So I know we went from a bowl of chili in Scream One to uh, the hot dog part of the chili dog in this one. So I know I was like, wow, those are in, <laughs> like intestines. Like they really. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I also love. I also like the blood splattered uh, Lady Gaga poster on her wall. That always oh, makes yeah. me happy. Oh yeah, so good. Yeah, the dance I, in the dark poster. <laughs> I'm not sure. I totally love how the <laughs> blood looks. Like it looks like a set design, but hey, you know yeah. what? It's an elevated death scene which we hadn't gotten in a while because Screen Three kind of lacked in that department. Yeah, so for sure. This works well. I like it. Yeah, and then we have Sydney and Ghostface going toe to toe. And Miss Sydney has been taking her fucking Rob McGraw classes. (laughs) (laughs) And she just whoops his ass. She's like, I'm a fucking superhero now. Kicking him down the stairs. Fucking drop kicking him in the face. Do you think that was Nev's foot that kicked that high? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) It was just a piece of wood. (laughs) With a shoe all they did was they had her push a pedal and the foot flew up <laughs> and and it hit him in the face. I think it was Nev's foot because her toe was pointed uh, and you know Nev. Oh, that's she, true. She she's a ballerina. A yes. That toe was pointed. Yeah, she's, she's like, a whack whack. She's a bop ma to yeah. the face. <laughs> she's bop ma that bitch in the face. Yes. And she did it with perfect technique. <laughs> And she did a kickball change first. <laughs> 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 Just kickball change, but my boom. 
Dove said, you know, something that's really limiting about playing Sydney is that I don't get to show off my theatrical background. But in this one, things have changed. I don't get to show off my dancing training that that I received. (laughs) So I would really love to incorporate that somehow. I I incorporate that with these dance of this movie. Oh my god, that was so stupid. <laughs> oh my god, but yeah, she whoops his ass. So she whoops his ass, but then he flees, and Charlie has not one bruise on that face. So no, no, he go he does not. He goes straight to the hospital for um, the press conference. So he, kn- <laughs> yeah. he knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the things that hopefully this new team behind the resurgence of Scream is thinking about, like. Where yeah. are these characters when this is happening? And also when they're speaking as the killer, are they can they sound maybe more realistic to like Ghostface is its own entity. It's like you get the yeah. voice changer and you become him and it's like I don't know that that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean this this Ghostface sounds definitely a little more aggressive. Maybe a little more yeah, 2011 yeah, yeah. than I would say 1996. He's definitely like, he's like, I'm going to slit your eyelids in half so you can watch so you me while I stab you in the face. That's like, oh my hard God. one. I'm like, whatever happened yeah, to that, get you like that, a pig? That is somebody who has seen movies like Black Christmas from 2006. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? That, yes. This ghost face grew up with those early 2000s. Um, yeah, horror slashers. For They're sure. like, I'm gonna drag you to the trailer park and eat your gut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna drag you to the deep part of the Appalachian Mountains. I'm gonna fuck your dead body. Yeah, and I'm gonna string you up in my fishing pole. And I'm gonna... <laughs> Ew. Oh my god. But oh, so, and just before we move on, I have to say one of the, the funniest parts of this section is when after all this shit happened not sydney going outside and then being heckled by the neighbors oh my god like, yes i'm so glad you brought that up because like, they're like excuse me that's just over <laughs> yeah. i wanted one to yell go back to where you came from but she's in woodsboro <laughs> you're just like your mother someone said oh, that. Yeah. you're just like your mother and then in the in an alternate scene there's they say um we don't want you here. (laughs) I'm like, wow, that's a lot of heckling. And there's only like six people standing over there. So I'm like, what bitch is saying this? And honestly, if I was Sydney, I would have gone right the fuck up to them. I would say, bitch, what? She takes off her shirt so that her, it's just her sports bra. (laughs) And she's like Halle Berry in that new movie. (laughs) She's like, come on, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. She's like, you not see me fucking just bot ma that bitch in the face. Right. You think I won't take you down with a fuete and a fucking pirouette? (laughs) She's like, bitch, excuse me. Did you just talk about my mama? You know what? (laughs) (laughs) You get her. She gets in her her face. It's like, I fucking kill people, bitch. Don't fuck with me. (laughs) I've shot people. A lot. Like, bitch, I've killed, what, fucking six people? No. (laughs) Yeah, five people. I've killed five people. Don't fuck with me. Yeah. I'll show you a killer, bitch. Karen. Jesus. That's definitely a Karen. Karen from Woodsboro. (laughs) Karen from Woodsboro, that bitch. Yeah, fuck her. All right, (laughs) well, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Outside the hospital, Gail recruits the help of Robbie and Charlie as she thinks they might have insight to the cinema rules of horror. 
They accept under the condition that Sydney is invited to a cinema club meeting. Sydney, also at the hospital, is checked over but is upset when her publicist, Rebecca, claims that the new killings can help the sales of Sydney's self-help book. Sydney fires Rebecca on the spot, who heads to the facility's parking garage. In the garage, Rebecca is called by Ghostface, who claims that she is a message. Rebecca is then attacked in her car. As she escapes and runs towards the elevator, she is stabbed in the stomach. Dewey holds a press conference outside the hospital, to which Gail is in attendance, and her questions dismissed by her husband. Suddenly, Rebecca's body is thrown from the top of the parking garage, crashing onto a news van, causing a panic. The next day, Gail convinces Sydney to come with her to the cinema club at the high school run by Charlie and Robbie, who claim that if the killer is attempting to kill people in a remake fashion, the killer will need to one-up the original. While some things may be similar, the killer's style is not going to be exactly like the first time, and that to make the situation even more intense, they may even be recording the murders to post them on the internet. They're like, the killer would be filming the murders. I'm like, oh, you mean like in Scream 2? Yeah, I've, yeah, he didn't do that in Stab 2? That was not part of the plot yeah. of that movie? Interesting. I'm like, um, okay, this has been done before, and almost in the same fashion, like, when they showed the clips that they've recorded later on, I'm like, this yeah. is very Scream 2. Why did they think this yeah. was original? Yeah, Kevin Williamson, he forgot. He did not rewatch Scream 2 before he wrote this. I don't even think he watched Scream 3 when he wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't write that one. I know. Like, I That's what that. I'm saying. He's like, I'm not watching it. So he had no idea. He came into this blind. When someone brings up that the end of the murder spree the first time was at a house party, the boys assume that the killer may strike at their upcoming Stabathon, where they'll run all the movies in the Stab series based on the original murders. When questioned by Sydney and Gail about why they would hold a Stabathon, the guys assume that they aren't the only party in town, as teenagers on a Friday night have plenty of other party options. They refuse to give Gail the location. That night, Jill complains that she feels trapped in her house with the police watching outside. Sydney and Jill have a moment where they connect after Jill asks her how she deals with all the unwanted attention and that she can never handle it. Sydney hopes she never has to. Kirby arrives at the Stabathon along with Trevor and the hosts, Robbie and Charlie. It's a rowdy event in a barn full of drinking, costumes, and a giant projector showing the opening of Stab. Gail manages to find the party, disguising herself in a ghost face mask, and sets up cameras to view what's going on inside. However, as she watches from her car, the cameras start to get covered up. Gail places a call to Dewey before sneaking back into the party to uncover her equipment. While attempting to fix the camera in the rafters, she comes across a remote webcam before the killer sneaks up on her from behind. Gail and Ghostface tussle in the hay bales, Ghostface pinning her to the ground. Dewey shows up just as Gail is stabbed in the shoulder. Dewey fires at the killer and Gail collapses to the ground, but the killer has once again eluded capture. She survives and is taken to the local hospital. There was one conversation that was cut out of the movie earlier, so I think this uh, conversation in the cinema club kind of takes over as far as explaining to us the rules now that we are outside of the trilogy. Yeah, because we don't have a Randy to just show up and tell us what the hell the rules are. That like, would be what? ridiculous, yeah. Imagine, he's like, hey guys, I filmed this one He's like, hey guys, if you're too. watching this, it's probably happening again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just filmed one for every single occasion. He was just like very on top of it. He's like, I have 10 of these. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he can be in the whole franchise. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, so so this is important. So we got to know what. We're, so we are talking about like remakes and reboots, right? Like that's the yeah. movie that we're in. If we were in trilogies or sequels before, now we're in the remake reboot territory. And right. so I guess the rules, even though they're not sort of explicitly stated in the way Randy would dish them out to us, it's like, obviously we have to one up the original. That's like the big thing, which makes sense. Yeah. And to survive, because this is, this was part of the conversation that they had that was cut out, but it's like, they say that virgins can die that the main cast can die and basically yeah. in order to survive a horror movie you have to be gay oh we're final girls bitch I know well honestly that's probably because gay people at this point don't exist in horror movies <laughs> uh, yeah they survive them because they're not in them yeah exactly <laughs> literally that has to be the reason why they wrote that in and Kevin Williamson I think he was being a little petty here yeah he's like I need to be seen um, <laughs> it's like so, I have some commentary here, and again, I'm not sure that this totally works. This um, conversation they have in Cinema Club because the idea that they propose that is like you know this could be you know less of a shriek, more of a scream make. You know they use these cute little <laughs> things, and they talk about filming the murder as being something that the new Killer 2.0 would do, and it's like I'm like, is but it? that's already been done, I, mean, I guess. So for us as the audience, it's like we didn't, I mean, if we're very invested in the storyline, which most of us listening to this are, they've already done this. This isn't new. Yeah, they dropped the ball here, but whatever. It's like, it's so weird because that is so, even though they do bring it up, it's also so inconsequential to what happens. Like, right. It like never goes anywhere to like with you, they read what happened, but with us. They're going to see it. Um, okay. So, but anyway, <laughs> but another thing that they talk about, though, is the sort of trope that Scream has fallen into because there is this rhythm and this pattern that they mention where it's like you have your opening kill two kids at home alone, um, which has happened. It's happened in Scream 1. Scream yeah. 2 was, you know, public, but it's happened in Scream 3. So they're right. It's always a couple that dies in the beginning. Yeah. And then they say, um, then you have your hot girl savage beyond recognition and yeah um, which is tatum, tatum and cc pr- no sorry principal hembry and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah tatum cc sarah darling yeah hello don't you get it <laughs> so yeah no, you're right, on no. track with that and then there's the right, party and so, and so, yeah, yeah and even sydney gets it she's like oh then the party's next yeah which is true it happens in all of them there was the you know, Stu's house, there's um is there a party in Scream 2? Um no. Stu's house and then there's the frat party sort of. Oh that's yeah, like that's afterward. true. Yeah. yeah. And then um There's a few parties in there. John Milton's house. John Milton's yeah. house, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. There's a couple parties in Scream Three too. Yeah, there's always a party. There's always <laughs> sorry, a party in the Rock of Love Charm School house. Rock of Love Charm School Halloween H two O. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so there's they I think Kevin is realizing the pattern in his own work and it's like, okay, now I can almost mock myself. And I think that's the direction that scream is now going where it's not so much making a comment on the horror genre, but they're also expanding it to now we're just referencing ourselves. We're referencing stab and scream. Right. Exactly. Now we have to reference this thing because we created a whole 
like new era of these movies. So now we have to comment on that. So, I mean, I think that's kind of, that is cool. I do like that. Yeah. And it works well because we have this movie within a movie. We have the stab franchise within the scream franchise. So they're able to reference itself as a movie by referencing stab as the portrayal of the world they're living in. So it's really, it's very, it's still very clever. It is very clever. Good on you, Kevin Williamson. Um, and so we have two major deaths here. First one being Miss Rebecca. Um, oh, yeah. I, I I don't know why this this whole scene always. I don't know if I just don't, don't like. I don't know if Alice I'm just like not a huge Allison Brie fan. I don't know. It why. is her. She's it's a- her performance. I don't. Well, first of all, this character is already unlikable. But can you imagine Emily Blunt in the Devil Wears Prada being this character? You know what oh, I mean? Oh like, yeah, for that sure. That would have been so good. We would have loved that. But there's something about Allison Brie's performance as this character that I'm just like, I don't care that she's in this or that she dies. She's like too over the top. She's like too over the she's top. She's in a different campy. movie. Yeah, this like wow, fuck me, wow. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like she's caffeinated or, you know, these, these very simple choices. She's cartoonish. She's ambitious and also overly caffeinated. Like, isn't that funny? It's a good one. Like, no, I don't like it. I think though, what the most exciting thing about it is when she gets thrown over the parking garage and (laughs) slams into the van during the press conference. I'm like, oh wow, that's, that's, you're getting the whole town's attention now. Her performance in that scene is uh, (laughs) unmatched. (laughs) <laughs> diabolical um d- d- wicked fun uh, <laughs> um, wicked fun <laughs> yes i do uh remember when, remember when this trailer came out for scream 4 and we were sort of dissecting it going through it and we're like whose big yeah. football body is this falling onto yeah. this van <laughs> whose big ass football player body is yeah that? what like quarterback did this stunt <laughs> with her wig <laughs> on <laughs> it bothers me that that whole scene in the garage it's like fine but <laughs> There's a few, first of all, one of the edit, funny editing moments that happens is when she's like, she's in the car and, you know, she's kind of concerned and she sees that car like coming towards her and she kind of has this hopeful look. She's like, and then it cuts to her and then it cuts immediately to the cart turning away as if it was like running away from her. It's like, <laughs> it just looks really funny. And so she's like, oh, and then she gets out of the car and this bothers me every time she gets on her fucking hands and knees and looks under the car. I'm like, bitch, what would you do if you saw him under there? What were you going to yeah, do? Yeah, stumble to get back up and run. Yeah, no, just get out of the car and go. Don't sit. get out of the car and look under. Like, oh my God, you deserve yeah. to die. Bitch. She's already <laughs> a bitch. She deserved to die anyway. But after that, I was all killer. I'll do it myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll do it myself. I, uh, you know, you could edit her out of this movie and it'd be the same movie. There yeah. are there. This movie really does have a lot of unnecessary characters in it, and they. Yeah. I think they could have benefited from trimming the fat. Seriously, and I know there's like what? How many actually. kills in in? <laughs> how many kills are in Scream? There are like five, and two of them are the killers. Steve Casey in the beginning, and then we don't Steve get another Casey, death until Principal, Principal Henry, Henry, which was added because then we wouldn't have had anything until Tatum. Yes, and then Tatum, and then the finale. It's like billions too. Yeah, done. Boom. Like that, like, I don't really think we needed Rebecca's character. No, just like, yeah, no. Olivia was our in between kill. Like, we don't need this yeah. one, too. This literally happens right after. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, it's like, okay. It. And then we have, um, I guess we don't have a second kill in this section. We just have the attack on Gale and the stabathon. 
this stabathon needs to happen. Well, we're kind of going yeah. to something like this. I hope. I hope it's like I this. Know. I hope it happens. I, I mean, know. I'm going. We're gonna hang out. Oh stream. my god, that's true. God, I know. Fuck. I hope it. They might cancel it, but you know what? Regardless, no! I'm still going. I'm still going to you, and we are still going to have. If it's not happening, we're gonna have our own screamathon. And we're going to go see yes. the midnight premiere of Scream 2022. Absolutely. To. Absolutely. 100%. I will be there. So we're doing it yeah. regardless yeah. of if Just it happens. Co- exactly. If not, we'll, yeah, come over, we'll watch all of them, and then we'll go see it. Ah, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited. So excited. It's, it's going to be so much fun. Anyway, so yeah, so the Stabathon, I think that there's, it looks really fun. I would go to this party. Oh my God. Who would you dress up as? I would uh, dress up as Judy Jurgenstern. <laughs> no, you should be Gail and I'll be Jennifer. And oh our, we'll have like matching outfits, but they're like opposite colors. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's. Oh my God, that's brilliant. Let's do yeah. it. I mean, we kind of are like them. We are, but better. Yeah, and skinnier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More feminine. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. But, um, this was I remember when this like when we saw this happen, I think everybody was like convinced that Gail was gonna die. Oh my god. Because we were like at this point, one of them's gonna die. Yeah. It was like scream four, yeah, somebody's dying. And then she gets stabbed. And I don't you can't really see where she gets stabbed. I don't think you like necessarily realize at first that's her shoulder. I like literally like pooped my pants. I was like, <gasps> Oh my god. <laughs> and then she falls on that haystack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, conveniently. Oof. Yeah. Oh my that god. That convenience yeah. It was it, I remember that being quite shocking. I was like, "Oh my god. Oh my oh. god. Oh my god. Oh my god." And then it was like, "Okay, now she's good. Oh. She's good." Oh, she, I, and she's I remember good. wondering if she was still alive until we finally heard that she was in the hospital. I know. Like, okay. Woof. Oh my god, that was a close one. Because up until this point, we've always had close calls with Dewey's character. Yeah. And then in Scream 3, it was Sydney's character. I'm like, now Gail? Like, oh my god. Yeah. And then we also have a really interesting scene that happens between Sydney and Jill, which I think is important to call out because, again, this goes back to our, like, is Emma Roberts playing it up as Jill? Yeah. Or is she, like... Was she she like, is, sincere? because everything that she yeah. does up, t- up to this point is all has a meaning like even yeah they also even have the dialogue a, in this yeah yes the dialogue is great when she's like how do you deal with like basically she's like how do you deal with the yeah. theme like and she's like i could never handle yeah it. like i could never do that um yeah <laughs> <laughs> but also um the after olivia is dead and those hecklers like you said they're heckling her across <laughs> street, why are you here um yeah Go she home. notices the the there are cameras starting to come and stuff, and so she she looks at it all, and then she walks up to Sydney and she goes, "Hey, sorry for what I said earlier." I'm like, "Oh, Ooh, I don't think bitch. I've ever noticed that." I don't yeah, think she looks that. around, and then she walks up to Sydney and like physically touches like her arm and is like, "I'm so sorry," you know, and all this stuff. Ooh, I'm like, I've oh. never noticed. I'll have to, yeah, I'll have there to are like these that. things that happen that she does. Everything I feel like that every move that Jill makes is for her higher purpose. Ooh, that's good. Well, there we go. Yeah, and this scene definitely. I don't know. You you see her just in the dialogue, like playing so hard. Like she's like almost doing too much to be like I don't 
how do you deal with it? Like, it, it's almost, like, so obvious. Yeah. After <laughs> you, you don't think know what it. it is, yeah, you're like, oh, bitch, you're transparent. <laughs> yeah. Also, why the hell are you drinking chocolate milk and eating a string cheese? What's wrong <laughs> with you? <laughs> yeah, nasty dairy queen. <laughs> yeah, shit, you're gonna fucking... Have indigestion for your murders later. Uh, your yeah. How are you going to be chasing uh, victims <laughs> when you're shitting your pants? <laughs> when, when you got bubble guts, ho. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, exactly. Nasty bitch. So. <laughs> <laughs> Back at the Roberts residence, Haas and Perkins are both killed by Ghostface. Haas is stabbed to the back and Perkins is stabbed to the forehead. Is that possible? Wes Craven says this was possible, that he read some story where somebody got stabbed in the forehead and was able to walk a bit before they died. I'm like, okay. I'm like, but did it have to happen here? Did it have to happen here? Is his forehead made of butter? Yeah, it glides in. It just whoop, yeah, just right in, as if there's know. no bone, no bone, just brain. <laughs> yeah, no, no bone, <laughs> just brains. Inside the house, Sydney receives a call from the killer, who threatens her life but wants to make her suffer and take her family first. Sydney realizes that Jill has snuck out and grabs her aunt Kate to run out the front door. Just then, Ghostface rushes the door, and the ladies attempt to keep the door shut. Kate, using her legs to push the door closed with her back, is stabbed in the back of the head through the mail slot. What'd you call me? <laughs> oh, mail slot. I'm sorry. Yeah, you mail slut. You <laughs> USPS. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when Sydney runs out the back door, she runs into a distraught Deputy Judy. He calls for backup. However, Sydney flees to Kirby's house to rescue Jill. Jill, Kirby, Charlie, and Robbie are relaxing at Kirby's place when Trevor shows up. Jill claims he wasn't invited, but Trevor claims he got a message from Jill's phone inviting him. Jill explains this to be impossible, as she's not even sure of where her phone is. She goes to find it. Trevor follows. Kirby takes this opportunity to flirt with Charlie, as they have never addressed their sexual tension. She reveals to Charlie her penchant for horror movies and that she finds him attractive. They're interrupted by Trevor, who calls attention to the situation, causing Charlie to storm out. Trevor also leaves, leaving Kirby alone. Robbie indulges in some alcohol and ends up going outside where he is attacked by the killer. Robbie claims to be gay in an attempt to be spared, as earlier it was established that it might be the only way to survive a horror movie reboot. Jill returns from upstairs where she tells Kirby she hasn't seen Trevor even though he was looking for her. Suddenly, Sydney arrives at the door and attempts to take Jill away. The bloodied Robbie and Ghostface appear, the killer chasing them upstairs where Jill hides under a bed and Kirby hides in the basement. Sydney is able to call Dewey and he speeds her away. When Sydney comes down to the basement to find Kirby, they both find Charlie on the porch covered in blood. Ghostface appears and ties him to a chair. Kirby's phone rings and the killer claims he wants to play a game with her, testing her horror movie knowledge. With the killer busy, Sydney runs up the stairs to try to find Jill, only to find her missing. 
The killer challenges Kirby to horror trivia in which she is confident that she's won. When the voice on the phone stops, Kirby rushes out and attempts to untie Charlie, only to have him stab her in the stomach, upset that it took till now for her to find him attractive, and he leaves her for dead. Sydney is then attacked by Charlie with the knife, but manages to escape, and she starts running to the front door and is then stabbed by Ghostface, confirming that there is a second killer. Ghostface removes his mask, and it is revealed that Jill is also the killer. What? She is? I didn't get to that part. No, okay. So, (laughs) okay, the cops are dead. No big surprise there. (laughs) But then... Um, Kate dies in a very weird way. She gets stabbed through the mail slot. And this is kind of one thing that I know you've discussed, you have distaste for, where it's like someone gets stabbed once and they're out. Yeah. Cold. And they just die. I'm like, there's no way that that <laughs> knife could have gone that far into her to where she dies. Yeah. That's why I'm like, like, she you- must have been. That's why I was like, she must have been stabbed in the fucking head in order for her to like die. Like, but I guess I guess it is her back. There's like blood in her mouth, and I'm like, when? <laughs> yeah. What? The human body is quite sophisticated. Like, it doesn't yeah. just give out because it's been penetrated. <laughs> if yeah, that were seriously. the case, we'd all be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, butt stabbed. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have a stabathon later on. <laughs> my god that's hilarious the whole sequence first of all kate comes home and she's like has been shopping she's been grocery shopping because that's her stress buster and then sydney sits there and starts unpacking her groceries and she has an open box of cereal was she eating it in the car (laughs) the other way home her captain (laughs) crunch maybe she puts her sleeping pills in the yellow (laughs) ones and eats them literally but then I don't know. Then it like escalates. She gets this phone call, whatever. And then she goes outside. And then ugh, this part is such an eye roll to me. When Sydney sees the reflection of Ghostface in the wind chimes. Oh, yeah. The cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm shines like, in the wind chimes. I don't like I'm that. like, really? I'm like, okay, you guys, come on. Miss Mary McDonald's, her performance here is weird. And she's like, she's like, oh my God, Jill. Like, I don't know. Just like. I don't know. She's like not oh giving her best job. for sure. Yeah. I don't think yeah. she was like, I don't think she wanted to be in this movie to be honest. No, she was just like, what are my lines? She was just getting fed her lines and she just yeah. read them. She, had an, she probably had an earpiece in. That's why her hair is so long. Yeah. Yeah. No great I loss know. there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, in the words of a wise woman, no great <laughs> loss there. I was going to say, I love this editing too, where Deputy Judy Hicks shows up and she's like, okay, Sydney, stay here. And then the car, you just see it zooming out of the yeah. driveway and flying down the street. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that editing is like really silly too. It's like a scary movie or something. <laughs> yeah. Stay right here. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Um, yeah, so then we get we get back to Kirby's house where, you know... Trevor. For some reason, they want the party to continue after somebody again has been stabbed. People are after <laughs> them. They like don't care. <laughs> they, yeah, like, don't they're care. like, let's go party at my house then. Um, yeah, where are my parents? I don't know. They don't care either. So this is one of the moments that I was talking about with Emma's performance as Jill, and it's when Trevor shows up to the house and is like, "You texted me to come here." Yeah, it's like, 
I did not I, text you. I did not I, text him. I didn't text yeah. you, and I'll prove it. Like, okay, yeah. is this bad acting? But no, once you find out, like, that she's putting on it, that she did text him, she was putting on a show, it's pretty great. You're like, what? Yeah. This That's is a really convenient part of the plan, too. She was like, I'm just going to text him and then say that I didn't text him. I don't even <laughs> know where my phone is. And there's one deleted <laughs> scene where he goes to find her looking for her phone and she's outside of the car like, <laughs> rummaging through the backseat. Oh, yeah. I'm looking for my phone. <laughs> yeah. She's in different parts in the chimney. Like, where's my phone? <laughs> she's like laughing. Yeah. So this is one of those moments where I'm like, is it bad acting or is it a choice? In- we'll never is it know, a choice? But... I guess, yeah, we'll never know. Also, I wish I would have seen this before. But if you're paying very close attention and you know Scream very well, you'll probably know right away that Trevor is not the killer by the costume that he's wearing. Why? Because it's the exact costume that Neil Prescott is wearing when Billy and Stu tried to frame uh, him. It's that yeah. teal polo with the denim jacket and the khaki pants. Ooh, and they oh, that's a kind of that's good because in the original plan it was to frame Neil. And yes. Jill and Charlie's plan is to frame Trevor. So we get some more like tension stuff between Kirby and Charlie. We get Boring. Robbie's death. Boring. <laughs> yeah. I has this kind of uh, the stabs are kind of like in your face with Robbie's death, yeah. but the thing with the headset and everything, I'm not really convinced yeah. that that's and also I do a nice plot I'm device. Like, the like, I'm gay, I'm gay. Like, oh god stop that you just got stabbed like in the fact that this happens several times where these like characters assume that these killers care about the rules it happens twice in this section and that drives me nuts as if (laughs) like by saying you're not doing your job right yeah like what you're not gonna honor the rules of a horror movie like no i'm gonna fucking murder you because it's part of my plan like the fact that this happens to Robbie and to Kirby, I'm like, what is wrong with both of you? Oh, I know, seriously. But I will say that when we get to Kirby's scene, this is where Hayden shines. Oh, when so good. Sydney tells her, do not open the door if you can't trust him. And she's like, and he's like, open the door. And she's like, I can't. I can't. I'm like, ooh, ooh. what a great moment for her character. Yeah, because it's true. Because like, who do you trust? It could be him. It couldn't. And they had some flirtation going on and she could potentially be leaving him out there to be murdered. But it's like, how do I, how do I trust you? You know? So that it like that part is so good. But I do not like the editing on this. It's like Ghostface comes up behind him and grabs him and Hayden and, or sorry, Kirby and Sydney are looking out the window and like, <gasps> and then like, the lights go out or is that just an editing thing it's like douche and then we see Dewey racing over there and then the lights come back on and he's yeah I was like what is are they like watching a stage show I was like yeah and and blackout and lights up (laughs) I was like what is yeah I do not like that as a transition I think they were like okay and then Sydney and Kirby are gonna wait here until Joe's face ties him up for (laughs) 15 minutes yeah so like I don't know it's a funky (laughs) transition but. Yeah, it is. It's kind of silly. And then, um, yeah, then she plays the game. You know, we've established from movies after movie, or actually specifically just from the first one, that he likes to play games, right? And so yeah, he, like... Yeah, this is, this, what, third time he's played a... 
this yeah, game, I mean, this I guess, game. I guess, yeah. And so, you know, he challenges Kirby. She desperately, you know, answers these questions. You know, she riddles off every single horror slasher remake or whatever that's come that had come out up until that point. Including and it's really Piranha. fun, including Piranha. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is. And so, I I really like that moment. I think it's really fun. But the fact yeah. that like she thinks that she's won I'm like girl like sweetie so you did never watch stab you think Ghostface is going damn it she fucking said black Christmas and that was the answer (laughs) I can't kill her now she's got it right she got it right that that wouldn't be cool of me yeah break you know the funny thing about this I think most of all is that We've seen the opening scene of Stab up until Casey's death, and he never plays a horror movie trivia with her. So for them to like reference this <laughs> yes. as like a, it's like that doesn't happen in Stab. He doesn't do yeah, horror that's movie true. trivia. But that's sure. true. That, you know what? That is absolutely true. I never even thought about it. We never see him play that. We see, I don't even know you, but I, I just, just like, like you already. already. Yeah. They never do no horror movie trivia. They're dumb for that. I mean, maybe maybe it's, in Stab, maybe in Stab Two where he asks Randy, "What your favorite? What's your favorite scary movie?" He's a Showgirls. You think yeah. Gail put that in her book? Yeah, exactly. Because all I mean, uh, because Stab is written from Gail's perspective, so she doesn't know any of the conversations that the killer has with these people on the phone. Yeah, that's true. She probably just made it. Yeah, I don't know. Weird. I, this is where it, it gets all messy. It gets a little messy. A little messy. 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 But then, yeah, then we get, okay, Kirby gets stabbed, and the fandom will not let it go that they think that she's alive. They're like, she kind of moves after, no, she's dead, and she's never going to be a scream again. (laughs) She's fucking dead. Like, she got stabbed, and she rolls around, so what? And there's no way that Dewey wouldn't tell Jill in the hospital when she says, and Kirby... He, he wouldn't he be like oh no she's alive no he lets her go on because she's dead yeah you know what I'm talking no, about she's, yes I know exactly what you're talking about in the hospital yeah it, it's confirmed she is dead and she's, they've also said that she's not in Scream 2022 so quit scrolling through that IMDB page thinking she's just gonna pop up she's not gonna pop up she's and what dead would she con- and what would she contribute I know and also Selena Gomez confirmed that she is they, the director confirmed she's not in Scream 2022. <laughs> Selena Gomez. So, so enough of this. Yeah, there's all these rumors that Selena Gomez is the opening kill. <laughs> is I'm it? like, why are you confusing Jenna Ortega? And, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh my but, god, that's yeah, racist. No. <laughs> yeah, why? Are, uh, uh, this is an ongoing rumor since Scream 2022 was announced that Selena <laughs> Gomez that Selena was Gomez involved, is in it? and that somebody saw her on set, and that she was. But oh now my she's god! Not in it, and neither is Hayden Panettiere. They saw Melissa Barrera, and they're like, "Oh my god, Selena Gomez!" Yeah, they're like, "She's in this." <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get Charlie, and then we get Jill. Ooh, okay. I'm. This is why what I've been waiting to talk about. So get yes. into it. All right. Yeah. So this third act is what saves this not saves this movie it's not doomed at this point but this is when the movie gets the at, at its best i would say this is the highlight of this entire movie 
Jill then lets loose a torrid of hatred at Sydney, claiming that her cousin's fame was always rubbed in her face and how sick she was of it. Jill now claims that soon Sydney will die, and in the wake of the killer spree, she'll become famous instead. Jill kills a bound Trevor by shooting him in the crotch and then in the head. Charlie also assumes he's going to be part of the plan, but is shocked when Jill kills him as well. Jill claims that what the people want is a sole survivor, and she plans to frame Trevor and Charlie as the new Billy and Stu, and she will carry on the celebrity victim status of her cousin. She stabs Sydney again, leaving her for dead on the floor. Jill then sets up the situation, planting the knife, mutilating herself, leaving bits of her hair in Trevor's hand, and smashing and throwing herself into things around the room. She collapses next to Sydney. Dewey and the other officers eventually reach Kirby's place, and immediately, when it seems that Jill is still alive, the press descend and peg her as a survivor. In the hospital, Dewey visits with Jill, who claims that maybe one day she can write a book with Gail, since they have the same injuries, a stab to the shoulder. Dewey also explains to Jill that Sydney has a chance of recovering, sending Jill into a panic. Once he leaves, Jill gets out of her bed and rushes to Sydney's room, intending to kill her cousin once and for all. They engage in a knockout fight, Jill laying her knee on Sydney's stomach stitches. Dewey manages to show up, having realized that Jill slipped up mentioning similar injuries to Gail, something that she couldn't have known, but is knocked out by Jill's use of a bedpan. Gail and Deputy Judy are right behind him, but Jill manages to take Dewey's gun and corner them behind a bed. Jill demands Judy's gun and gets it before shooting her. Jill then threatens Gail, only to have Gail buy time before Sydney manages to charge up a defibrillator and use the paddles to shock her cousin into submission. Everything seems to be okay until Jill rises for one last scare and Sydney kills her cousin with a bullet to the chest. As the chaos inside the hospital comes to an end, the press on the outside of the hospital continue to boast Jill Roberts as an American hero straight out of the movies. The end. Okay, this oh, wow. is what we came for. Yes. So Jill, Jill reveals her motive. She doesn't need friends. She needs, she needs fans. fans. Oh my God, this is probably the campiest motive, I would say, of all oh, of them. It is a delicious motive because it, it feeds <laughs> so much into the generation we have now. And this is like yeah. prior to Gen Z being teenagers. So it's like, yeah. this is a, a comment on our time. Like there are millennial motives put themselves through the worst just to get famous on Instagram or well, Instagram, Insta famous. Yeah. There is a sort of glamour that comes with having a tragic backstory. It and then does. you become a celebrity, this sort of like Cinderella rags to yeah. riches sort Kardashian of Kardashian sort of yes, like where you're you sort know, you of just yeah. You don't have to achieve anything, you just have fucked up shit happen to you, like having a sex tape released or having you know, something along those that's what I always think of. I always think of the Kardashians when I think of her motive for some reason. Because I think yeah. of I think of Kim and her sex tape and how it was so devastating. But look what she is now. Exactly. She's I mean one of the most famous people in the world and yeah. probably will go down in history as being. Yeah, and she has no, and she's not considered talented by any means. She doesn't really do Even much. Even her personality. 
Yeah, she but, doesn't really do much other than she's famous. <laughs> yeah, for something. And um, I mean, now she's done all these things with her platform, right? But sure, I think Jill has the right idea. She's like, <laughs> well, she's, she's right. You know, she kind of has yeah. this ticket to fame in front of her, but how does she get it? She can't just walk around saying she's Sydney. You know, you know the character that Tori <laughs> Spelling plays in Stab. I'm her niece, but in real life. <laughs> I mean, her niece, her cousin. Yeah. I'm her, her niece. She she has the foundation to potentially be a star in this, the, you know, universe, and yeah. she's going for it. And she's a she's a real go getter. She's trying to make things happen for herself because she doesn't want to go yeah. to school. She doesn't want to go to college, work. grad school. She doesn't want to work. She wants to just be famous, and that's yeah. fine. I I'm into that. I relate to this. If any of the motives were relatable, it's this one. It's this one. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I don't even know what their motives were in Scream 1. <laughs> the, the Millennium. No, I'm just kidding. But Stu, no, no reason. Debbie Stu, Salt, no. Revenge, Mickey, just no reason. And then Scream yeah. 3, I'm your half-brother. And now this one, she's like, I just want to take your spot so I can be famous too. Yeah, <laughs> and honestly, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, and I think Emma and Roberts, she, like, her 180 here is, I think it's good. Like, I know people are like, she is not strong enough an actress to pull this off. Bullshit. I think she does. I, yeah, think, I think she's, she's great. great. I think she's great. When she says about Trevor, why she's framing him specifically. Well, yeah. here's a boyfriend that fucks you, dumps you, <laughs> and doesn't even make doesn't you even famous. Make you famous. Unlike uh. Billy, like, Bill, like, that's her... That shows you the mentality of this character. Like, she's jealous that her boyfriend wasn't Billy Loomis. I know, that's <laughs> like, crazy. Bitch, are you crazy? <laughs> and I love her delivery of the line when she's like, I told so many lies today that I even started to believe it. I really think I was born for this. And like, the that's, look on her face is like, she's so proud of so herself. Good. It's so good. I told so many lies today, I actually started to believe them. I really <laughs> think she, I was born for this. And then she turns like, I really think I was born for this. I love that <laughs> moment too. It's, oh, it's so, so good. It's so good. And she, I think she delivers it fantastically. Yeah, maybe when she's like, don't you get it? Maybe it's not like, okay, yeah. that convincing. She kind of comes across as like a petulant like brat. But like, she yeah. is. She, she is. is. She is. I my One of my favorite moments too is when she's like, uh, when, you know, what they really want is a soul survivor. And she stabs yeah. him, you know? And then when she tells um, Sydney, and let's face it, your ingenue days are over. And she stabs yeah. her. Like, she has these nice zingers before she stabs them. Oh, yeah. she Yeah, she she's full of them. I'm not the girl you cheat on. <laughs> Boom. Dick. Yeah, right in the gone. dick. And she's ruthless. She literally kills her partner. The Honestly, the person that probably killed a lot of people for her. Yeah, I think she seduced him into this. She's not attracted to Charlie. No way. No way. That's gross. And they like make out and she's like staring at Sydney as they're making out. Just watching her make sure she doesn't move with that big ass knife. When you realize that Jill is the killer, (laughs) it's a little ridiculous because she looks like a little girl holding a plastic (laughs) knife. Like it doesn't even look remotely real. And also when she confronts Sydney, like when it's actually Emma in the costume and she takes it off. She looks like um, a she looks like a little trick or treater. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. She she must have worn like platform 
boots when she killed the cops because she looks like eight feet tall because she's the one that kills the cops. Oh, yeah. She looks enormous when she kills Perkins and she's looming over him like yes. a seven foot Amazon. <laughs> yes. And it's actually like five foot two. Emma yeah, she's Roberts. like wearing, she's like wearing those like Lady Gaga <laughs> heels that are heels. like those like giant platforms yeah. with a long ass. That's what's underneath that dress. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So I love this part though, where where Jill is just fucking herself up. It's oh, probably one of the best scenes in the whole amazing. franchise. What's your favorite injury that she gives herself? I, I like when she um, stabs herself in the shoulder. Yes. And she goes, oh fuck! And she kicks the kicks, the, kicks the table over. <laughs> oh my god, she's crazy! And then she like scratches herself with his hand she rips her own hair out I'm like, How <laughs> that, is- i love that part because it's like a full piece of wig like yes. it just, it and, then, and then the sound effect is like a full velcro <laughs> just <laughs> 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 and then i do love when she jumps into the table i do think that's really i know it's funny what she's thinking about she looks at the picture and then she just slams oh, into yes. it when she runs into the picture <laughs> And then she throws herself into the table. The way that's edited is pure (laughs) comedy. Because she looks at the picture all haggard and she's like, should I? And then all of a sudden it just cuts to this stunt double (laughs) running into this picture free. And this stunt double is bigger than Emma. It's obvious. Oh, for sure. For sure. Jump onto the table. Oh my that god. That stunt double comes back in this fight between Sydney and Jill <laughs> in, in the hospital. It's like Agnes from Black Christmas. Yes. Just yes. enormous. But with the long yes. black wig on. Oh my god, yes. I don't know. I so then we get Jill being taken to the hospital and she's like surrounded by all, the, all these like paparazzi. This is very paparazzi video from Lady Gaga. They like Yes. It's it's cry. very that the fame and she's like playing it up like she's like what's happening what's happening but in, she knows what's up she knows she's played everybody and then she's gonna win this is the closest that any killer has come to actually succeeding to getting away with murder yeah and what do you think about how they realize that she's actually the killer how do you because it was I written mean, two it, different ways and I don't think either of them works I can't believe that Jill who has been so meticulous and committed to her plan would slip up so stupidly. Like, why would she not make sure Sydney was dead? And with all that jealousy in her, she would have stabbed her multiple well, times. Why would she? In the face. But why would she mention anything about knowing where Gail was stabbed on her body? She wasn't there. <sighs> Girl. But see, that's never bothered me because I'm like, there were people that directly know Jill that were there. Like, Kirby, Robbie, and Charlie were there. They could have easily yeah, saw her get stabbed in the shoulder or taken away on the stretcher or something. I mean, I guess that's true. Because even, I- like, Robbie and Charlie are freaking out because they were hosting the event that she got stabbed at. And they're like, oh, my God. Like, the sheriff's wife gets attacked. Like, oh, my God, we're never going to live this down. And then it's like, they probably know that she was stabbed in the shoulder and is alive. I don't know. I mean, maybe not. I don't know if they saw her. She was still up on that thing. I mean, I guess the only way they would have known is if they saw her being taken away on a stretcher with something covering her shoulder, like blood. Yeah. Co- like, I mean, I guess that's possible. I, well, I don't know. I, I just don't know that Dewey, of all people, would put that together either. 
I love that switch when he though when he tells her, and he's like, "It's still touch and go, but I think Sydney's gonna make it." And she's like, and she's like, "Holy oh, shit, fuck, yeah that that's a that was a great twist, like yeah. oops." oops Jill so now she's like I gotta finish the job and then she has that iconic line when she walks in she's like you just won't die will you who are you Michael fucking Myers <laughs> I know well I remember thinking for a second that when they brought Jill out in the stretcher and you know the cameras are flashing she's looking around like what I thought that was gonna be the ending and it was gonna leave us on a cliffhanger and I'll be that would have been so crazy but then, I know. and I thought Sydney, I thought Sydney was dead. And so when they reveal this, it's a, it is a huge twist. It's like, oh shit, she's still yeah. alive. I mean, I'm sure some people were like, there's no way, like, there's no way she's I, dead. Yeah, uh, I don't remember what we, I thought in the moment. But I, I thought I she was dead. Thinking, yeah, I was like, damn, this I'm is like, crazy. damn, they did it. They had the guts to do it. They killed her off. But no, they did not. They said, we're going to sew those guts up and <laughs> she's going to still be alive. And so then Jill goes in there and they get in this, like, in the world's most empty hospital, you know, not since Black Christmas 2006 have we seen such an empty hospital where nobody can help people getting in a fight. I mean, it's so empty that the lights are off. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, there's this (laughs) abandoned, creepy hospital. And I'm like, I've never seen the lights in a hospital turned off. Not always. And then they just get this knockout fight where the two stunt doubles, these two men in wigs, just like are beating each other up. At one point, little ass Jill Roberts throws Sydney full force against, like the against the cabinets. cabinet. Yeah. Just, oh my god. She's like, mid-air. Oh She's like above yes. her head. She's like yes. <laughs> It's like she like picked up like a fucking blow-up doll and just slammed it against the wall. It's like that's so raven. I swear to yes. god. It's that. Yeah, we love to bring up that doll. <laughs> I love to bring up that fucking Debbie either. Um, yes, I, this fight though is great, and honestly, these things that they've done to Jill to make her look like this—like she almost looks like Reagan from The Exorcist. Like there are scratches on her face, and her then eyes when red. Sydney put, like puts her thumb in her eye, it like bruises around her eye, so one looks huge and the other one's like regular yes. size. It's so good. <laughs> it is so good, and ooh, and it's so gross when she kneels on her stomach i was like i was like yeah that has to be painful it's like how are those stitches yeah bitch jill continues to have some great moments in here where she shoots deputy hicks like nothing like she's like whatever yeah oh yeah we forgot to mention the synopsis that judy hicks is alive hicks you're alive wear a vest protect your chest and then she falls you know like a mad tv skit (laughs) Um, but uh, Jill has a great moment here with uh, Gail when she's like get up come on come out here get your skinny ass out here (laughs) (laughs) she's like give me your gun what are you deaf (laughs) (laughs) yeah what are you deaf which honestly that what are you this or that has been a running theme throughout her career like as Madison as Cheryl or Cheryl Cheryl Who the fuck is Cheryl? You should. <laughs> As Cheryl. You know that character she played on Scream Queen, Cheryl? <laughs> oh 
my god. <laughs> as Madison as Chanel. Like she said yeah. that blind so many different what are ways. You? What yeah. are you stupid? What are you blind? What are yeah. you deaf? Yeah, I think she probably ad libs most of these lines and they're so yeah. good. You could tell which ones she ad libs because they're the yeah. same in every movie. Yes. But they're all so brilliantly delivered in only the way Emma Roberts can. Oh, it's a true Emma Roberts performance. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> and then, you know, she gets like her head fucking defibrillated. I can't even say that word. And then she gets shot in the chest. And my favorite moment of all of this is the very end where uh, Miss Thing is giving a report. Yeah. On the, on, and she's like, Jill Roberts. An American hero straight out of the movies. Straight out of the movies. And it ends just like that on yeah. the on Jill's face looking crazy as hell. Just like Jill Roberts, an American hero straight out of the movies. Blink. Boom. Oh, it's so brilliant. That's so. Yeah, these people have no idea of the chaos that just happened inside that hospital. What was actually going on? You know, it's like we're so quick to label these people heroes or whatever without knowing the whole story. Yes, and yeah. I just think, uh, and I think that was just like brilliant. And honestly, they made her a star. She was, a, even if it, you know, if it was just for a couple hours before they find out the actual truth, <laughs> she was a star. She was the Sydney for four seconds. I think that the stab version of this is probably just fabulous. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Who do you think played her? Selena Gomez? Yeah, <laughs> that's the, where the confusion's coming from. Yes, there it is. There it is. She's not I, in it. She you, plays Jill Roberts in, in Stab Four. Do you think that she will get a mention at all in Scream Twenty Twenty Two? I don't know. I I don't think so though. I don't. I think they're going to shy away from mentioning any of the other movies. They're just going to imagine that the audience knows that they all exist. Yeah, Ugh, that sucks. But I would love. I know. I would love a reference. That's how it opens. It's Jill Roberts reveal is the opening. I just want her to be like in my in my cousin. I just want her to mention her. I just want to see what her thoughts are after this because we don't really see, and we never really do. We never really see how they feel about these killers afterwards. But I would love to hear what she thinks of Jill. <laughs> She's like, so many people have tried to kill me. My boyfriend, two of my friends, his mom, my ex boyfriend's mother. Yeah, my, my brother, cousin, my cousin, her friend. I don't even know. You want to know my final thoughts on this? Tell me. Okay. My final thoughts are: this is a decent addition to the franchise. Yeah. By no means is it the worst, but I will yeah. say it is my least favorite. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think that I. Jill is Scream 4 to me. Without her, this movie would probably not be what it is. She really makes this movie. Whether she's the best actress in the movie or not, this is a great performance by her. I love this character. I love her motivation. I think it totally fits in with where we are in the world. And that's what Scream does. And so I love it. Um, As far as the production as a whole, I mean... This isn't that great. I know Screen 3 obviously has the worst writing, but this is pretty stale. Like, this 
this is like taking what we already knew and just making it stand yeah. out. At least Scream 3 was different. <laughs> you know what I you know what I I think I text this to you. I think that the storyline in this one is really good. I think yes. the dialogue is very bad. Yes. I think yeah. I think like like somewhere along the way Kevin Williamson lost all sense of wit and it just turns into a lot of corny dialogue. Yeah. But I think but that what the story like, was doing is good. The reboot and the yeah. Jill trying to take over and the killer's motive in this one. All those that's are all good. great ideas, but like the actual like character development and the dialogue, it's not really there for me like it was in the yeah. first three movies. Yeah. I, I I agree. Like I and I really do love this movie, but I think I do love it because of Jill. And you know, that yeah. really doesn't come into play until act act three, you know? And, and so, when you really watch these movies with this critical podcaster oh, yeah. eye, it, this really does fall a little flat when you watch it, it back. You're like, she's she's this is the best part of the movie, but she's not. It's not enough to bring the entire movie up to being a really good solid movie. And I think that now that we have Scream 2022 coming out, which to me so far from what we've seen, whether it's fake or not, looks better than this movie. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. I think that ultimately this movie is just going to be kind of one of the lost siblings in this franchise because Scream 5 I think is going to be pretty a uh, pretty decent and because it is sort of that Woodsboro format. It's kind of going to supersede this movie. And I think I think so you know too. I, mean? I think no, I think I th- I think that you're right. I think that it's gonna it's gonna be one of the more like oh yeah I've seen that one as opposed to like yes oh I I know Scream Four, you know. So the one no, where I, her I cousin's agree. the killer. <laughs> oh yeah, the one with Emma Roberts. Yeah, that's that's a crazy one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah, so what I- what what is your score? Three out of five. Yeah, I'll say three out of five too. I mean, I love yeah. in the grand scheme of things five out of five just because it's my you know our favorite movies but honestly when it comes to the franchise as a whole i'll give it a three out of five too yeah three out of five well that does it for scream four that does it for 2021 that does it for season season three three. oh my gosh it's like the end of an era it really is oh well we we did it we're going to take a little break. You'll hear from us very soon. And um, I can't wait to to you see what we have in store because I'm really excited for the lineup that we already have picked for know. season four. And since we're cutting our seasons sh- a little short now, our season four will probably be all of 2022. We probably won't even split it into two different yeah. seasons next Absolutely. year. So. We have a big season four coming up for you. And so that's nice. Yeah. Something to look forward to. We'll be back in like four weeks with our very first episode of season four, which will be Yay. Scream 2022. Yay. Of course, we could not do that. Hello. We've done the first four. We need to continue. So yeah. And if there's anything Jake and I learned about being successful in this podcast, it's that you have to have a big opening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, take care. Have a happy new year and sweet screams, bitch. Bye.